our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Sky King, Sky King, do not answer. Victor, Foxtrot, authentication, tell the Gulf. It is definitely coming this way. Pieces of it are shooting off. There is no doubt about it. This is weird. Look at thing, dude. It's rotating. You are listening to Anomaly. Hello everyone, Gled is here with another episode of Anomaly. No Steve this time round, but he'll join us for the next one when we interview somebody very special. On this occasion, I've got a treat for you. Not just one podcaster, but a whole bunch. The 26th of July 2023 is a day that has gone down in history. It was a day when a congressional committee heard evidence from three people who were exceptionally well qualified to talk on the subject of UAPs or unidentified aerial phenomena. The group was made up of two former naval pilots, Ryan Graves and David Fravor, and a former military intelligence officer by the name of Dave Grush. Fravor is a first-hand witness of the famous Tic Tac UFO, whilst piloting his Navy F-A-18F jet off the coast of San Diego back in 2004. Graves is also a former naval pilot. He too witnessed UAPs whilst flying in 2015 off the coast of Florida. Grush was attached to the UAP task force. He was tasked with investigating the UAP situation on behalf of Congress. Now, as a whistleblower, he is revealing to the world that the US government is in possession of crashed UAPs and some of their occupants. There are many questions that Grush is not able to answer in public, and this is due to the oaths he took as a person read into top-secret intelligence programs. However, he has made allegations to the Intelligence Community Inspector General that have been described as urgent and credible. Grush also went on to highlight that there is an active program of crash retrieval and reverse engineering. He also alluded to injuries or deaths caused by this technology. The questioning of these witnesses was held under oath, and much of it was carried out by representatives Tim Burchett and Anna Paulina Luna, Another representative, Matt Gates, gave evidence of his own experience of being stonewalled by the military when at Eglund Air Force Base in Florida. However, he was subsequently able to view radar data and a clear photograph of a UAP that left him in no doubt that the world's airspace is also being used by technology well in advance of what we are used to. A huge amount of credit has to go to a group of journalists who have worked so hard to bring this matter to the attention of the public. Namely, Leslie Kane, Ralph Blumenthal, George Knapp, Jeremy Corbell, Bryce Zabel, and the excellent Ross Coulthard. Following the explosive day in Congress, my phone lit up with messages from other podcasters who had been looking into this for so long. As a result, the mighty Jim Harold put together a live stream that night, and I was honoured to be one of his guests. So this episode is the recording of that conversation, in the company of Micah Hanks, Ryan Sprague, Forrest Burgess and Scott Philbrook. 
Check the show notes for links to their podcasts and also a link to the full hearing of Congress. If you haven't seen it yet, it's well worth digging out a cold beverage and some snacks. History was made that day. Let's join Jim Harold for his opener. Hey, everybody, we are live and we are talking about the UFO subcommittee today and the hearings. And we have a fantastic panel, which may end up growing as the program goes on. I'm Jim Harold, Scott Philbrook from Astonishing Legends, Paul Gletters from Anomaly and part of the Astonishing Legends team. Of course, Micah Hanks. And I've got a comment for Michael a little bit later about being in the front row. Forrest Burgess. And now we are just adding in Mr. Ryan Sprague from somewhere in the skies podcast. So everybody's (laughs) here. And thank you guys for joining us today. I, I was just blown away by this. Just blown away. But I'm more interested in hearing what you guys have to say. So, Scott, let's start with you. What did you think about today's hearing? What were your first impressions? Well, I would have to agree with you. I was blown away as well. I thought, you know, when I turned it on, I thought it was going to be more of sort of a whole lot of nothing. Um, And it turned out to be way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. I mean, it's a lot of information I think all of us, everybody here has seen before. Uh, For the most part, there were little dribs and drabs of some new bits of information, but also, I just thought the questions were really good, and I thought it was clear that this is going to move forward from this point in a, in a real way, finally. That's what I thought. And Paul Gletters uh, from Anomaly. And hi, uh, hi, how are you? Paul, I, I mean, I'm always interested in getting the perspective from overseas. What did you think of today's events? I think it was absolutely groundbreaking today um, to see politicians from both sides of the aisle um, in a sober, grown-up conversation about something as serious as this without shouting each other down. I think it's massive. It's almost um, an achievement in itself, I guess. But uh, yeah, huge today. Absolutely huge. I agree. I think it was, certainly. And... uh... Ryan Sprague, I know you did a four-hour live stream today, if I'm correct, and uh, you've got to be exhausted, and you too are across the pond, as they say, so thank you for burning the midnight oil. Uh, What did you think about this event today? Yeah, I I would have to agree with the other panelists. Um, You know, I went in with very tempered expectations, and I came out on the other side extremely satisfied, if not surprised, at some of the things that were said under oath which I think is very important with all of this. And um, I mean, I've got, Jim, endless <laughs> notes I took during this thing. I'm still scribbling them. I just read a wonderful highlight article over at the debrief by the go. editor-in-chief all about that as well. So I've got plenty to talk about, good and bad, but um, plenty to talk about nonetheless. Editor-in-Chief Micah Hanks, what do you have to say from the debrief? What do you think? As you can imagine, Jim, I just, I'm speechless. I have nothing to say about any of this. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought. (laughs) It's it's a a remarkable time. And uh, obviously for people who have followed the UAP subject for, you know, many years or even many decades, I've personally invested, you know, several decades in this. But uh, I think that today's hearings were nothing short of being historic. Uh, And of course, to, to see this fine line between people who have followed the subject for a while and now lawmakers on Capitol Hill sitting down and talking to 
know, career officials, you know, people who have worked with the United States Navy as fighter pilots, people who have been intelligence officers within the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, like whistleblower Dave Grush, seeing them sitting there providing testimony to elected officials about some of these things that we had heard rumors about for decades, and they're now treating it as though it may be a reality. And now there is an uh, intelligence community inspector general complaint that may bring additional information about this to light. It's truly historic. I would agree. And the thing that, uh, and I was sharing with uh, some of you beforehand, the thing that got me was not so much the witnesses, although I think it's important that these things were read into the congressional record, because it's one thing to say something on News Nation or say something on one of our podcasts. It's a totally different thing to say it under Absolutely. oath, under threat of perjury charges if you mislead. Exactly. That's one thing. Number two, the Congress people, with the exception of the gentleman, and Scott helped me beforehand remember his name, except for Burleson from Missouri, who I oh, thought yeah. was disgraceful, with his little smirk. <laughs> yeah, that, he, brought up, he brought out that old chestnut, Occam's razor. Uh, it's just, uh, <laughs> because usually when they say that, everybody goes away, right? Yeah. So, yeah. but other than that, I, and this goes for Republican and Democrat, from AOC to Burchett to Getz, uh, the, uh, you know, Representative Luna, who is very savvy about trying to get things on the record. I was just so impressed. I've got to say, I was way more impressed with our elected officials than I expected to be. I, I, I thought about that. Um, what surprised you about today? And, and we can just do a free for all. What surprised you? Um, I, you know, what was interesting for me and cause even though we've talked about this on our show, but when, you know, I'm in forest knows this and people have listened to our show for a while, know that I'm kind of obsessed with flat land and geometric thinking and dimensional concepts. And when Grush was talking about his overview, his very sort of amateurish, cause by his own admission idea of interdimensionality being like a 3d being casting a shadow on a piece of paper or on a sidewalk or something else into this dimension. I thought that was really fascinating because I thought that corresponded with a lot of the events that have happened, whether it's orbs or UAP or whatever, you see these things that they don't seem like they're all the way here. But the, the question that that brings for me is what is the difference between that and the idea of capturing something? Cause you can't capture a shadow. And so if something is interdimensional, how much of it's actually here? Are we just seeing it as, you know, it's like the, it's like the, the three-dimensional thing passing through a, a planar world, you're only going to see a line. So the question is, how do you capture that piece? Are those two completely different phenomena? That was a question that came to me today for the first time. Other surprises, other surprises. Yeah, Forrest? I would say, uh, Jim, you know, the, uh, we just actually talked about this yesterday on uh, as we were being interviewed for the uh, Spooks, Creeps, and Assorted Devilry podcast. Uh, the concept of the two-dimensional world being imposed upon by a three-dimensional force or being or existence and the two-dimensional thinking being that this is somehow magic, that this is, uh, how are they doing this? They, they're, they have a technology far beyond us and they're, they seem to be prescient and omniscient. And I think to us as being 3d is that, well, no, you guys are, you're still in the 2d you're, you're one D behind us. And, <laughs> You'll catch up one day and understand this. And I think what's possibly, uh, as Scott was talking about, and uh, as Dave Grush was was talking about, who uh, does have uh, some formal training in physics, as he said, 
is that it's the holographic principle. So you're imposing a, yes. a three-dimensional image or force upon a two-dimensional canvas of sorts. And I think to possibly to understand this, and again, this is what, what I think we saw today is, and I know a lot of people who are really versed in this, uh, this subject might say that, well, this is nothing new. It, you know, there's, like I said, there's a few surprises, uh, but really it's, you have to ask the first questions because what's astounding for today is that now more and more people, the general public is being brought into this. And that includes a lot of our, our Congress people uh, that they're really starting to wrap their heads around it. Unless they've been on this for a while, they're asking the initial questions. So again, you have to answer those to get those out of the way. Uh, and so that might seem to be uh, we're at square one, but at least we're at square one. And you're, I think to understand further and fully. And again, as you see, uh, some people may wrestle with these concepts or think that, well, that's not logical. As I've said before many times, you're applying a human logic to that, a three-dimensional logic. And maybe to understand this, you need to think in a fifth dimension or sixth or an 11th dimensional uh, capacity, whatever's out there, that they're, they're this far beyond us. They understand things that we don't and their actions and objects and technology don't make sense to us, which is clearly the case right now. And I think uh, the place to be, uh, if you're talking about any surprises, uh, mine or what I would like to be surprised with is uh, it, whether you're uh, a member of the general public like ourselves or you are a congressperson is to be in the skiff with Dave Grush to hear those stories he couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. On who, camera or the, want to be? Absolutely, absolutely. Who is denying the skiff access? They, like they, they over oh. and over, that was clearly a point yeah. of contention. No one is saying, who, who is the person that gets to say no to that? That mystery. Right. I mean, they go in, as I understand, they go into leaded rooms. You have to yeah. take all your cell phones out. I mean, it is, it yeah. is locked down. I want to get to Ryan real oh, quick. So, and yeah, quickly. Uh, sorry, no, Jim, just ahead, quickly, ahead. I was going to say for, for folks that don't know, and again, there's a lot, that was another part of this, uh, uh, the hearing is that uh, for folks not in the know, uh, especially Dave Grush was throwing around a lot of acronyms. So SCIF is just a sensitive compartmented information facility, which is, as Jim was describing, you see in the spy movies. It's basically a container that is silent. totally sealed. If they that's exactly it. How prescient uh, uh, was Don Adams? <laughs> and, and Mel Brooks. Uh, and Mel Brooks. Yeah. And yeah. Buck Henry, yeah. But Ryan, that's what we're talking about, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's awesome. Uh, I, I mean, it, it really is very interesting stuff. Ryan, what did you think? What surprised you? Yeah, I mean, I, there's going to be a lot of talk about Grush coming out of this, obviously. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of closed-door meetings between Grush and a lot of these congressional members, which is great. I think he's really lit the fire under a lot of their, their uh, burning curiosities to get behind, uh, get to the truth behind what are these programs that he says exist that have retrieved possible non-human craft of unknown origin. Uh, that was broken in the debrief. And and on top of that, you know, uh, admittedly, I was a, a constituent of AOC for many years. Um, and it was really cool to see my representative and many other representatives as well uh, there talking about this. And not only that, like you guys mentioned, doing their homework. You know, this, this congressional hearing, it... it wasn't planned a really long time ago and to many of us were like wow this came out of nowhere they're not it's going to be very unorganized but i'll tell you 
those people did their homework and they did it quick. Um, and for someone like uh, AOC, like I said, my former representative, it was interesting to hear her say the name of an aerospace company. Yes. That, um, for example, that we should look at. And, and I, you know, many of the other representatives did that as well, said, where should we look? Who should we talk to? And, you know, we got a lot of, you know, well, uh, we'll talk about that in closed door, this, that, this, <laughs> that. Um, that's how this all starts. This will get them uh, ready. This will get them fueled to keep going, ask harder questions. And um, just on top of that, too, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Ryan Graves as well. Um, mm -hmm. He actually brought forward an event on the East Coast that I personally wasn't aware of, of a massive UFO that came within 50 feet of one of his pilots, co-pilots out there. Um, a near miss closer than any I've personally ever heard of. So uh, that was really interesting. That that was new for me. That surprised me. Yeah, and the the whole football field thing, the the huge huge yeah. was a huge red uh, uh, was it one hundred was it one hundred yards by one hundred yards or it was, yeah. yeah I think they said it was a cube or a square yeah uh, I mean that's just massive that's that that's amazing uh, just mind blowing Michael what surprised you I mean you I, I've got to make a little comment uh, at your expense I played a clip in my anniversary show this week of you saying you like to take kind of the back row you when you go to a movie you like to see the big picture and you said that about UFOs and I I kind of said on the show well I understand that and that makes sense. But he's really been in the front row the last uh, last year or two, particularly very recently with the the Ralph Blumenthal story and everything that came out. Um, so, so what surprised being in the front row now? Uh, what surprised you? Because I mean, I think that you're tuned in more than most people on a lot of stuff uh, to do with this. So, what what are your thoughts? What surprised you? Well, briefly, I'll just speak to your point about you know who's in what row. Uh, there are people I think in this community who always want to be in the front row and who want to be seen. And, you know, that's fine. And, and some of those people actually deserve the attention that they get, right? But I keep saying, and I've said throughout this entire process, you know, Scott and Forrest and I especially talked about this recently, that, you know, this story potentially with some of what it entails is bigger than all of us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I say I, I sit in the back row and I watch the big picture unfold, I'm still doing that. I'm still very much doing that, even if some of the reporting that we've done with the debrief has led that dialogue. And ultimately, thanks to the diligence of reporters like Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenthal and the article they published with us, we've saw, you know, we saw these hearings come to fruition. I, I directly credit them, at least in, in large part, as being the catalyst with breaking the story about David Grush and the debrief that led to these hearings. And this is a great example of how citizen action, getting out there, raising our voices as we the people, this is how you get your elected officials to listen. This is how you get behind a cause. And we have to do this. And right now it's really been years and years of sitting there and watching the big picture, but trying to find the best path toward bringing this to greater public attention. It's been a cumulative effort. We all play a, you know, a small role, some of us bigger roles than others, but we all play a role is the important part. And um, I'm still playing that part. 
and I support the excellent writers uh, who we've published, Ryan Sprague, right here present, one of them as well, uh, and people who have not only helped to push this ball down the court, so to speak, but who have been probably doing this for a whole lot longer than our lawmakers who are now really getting into the game and who have that power to affect change. So that's really important. And with that out of the way, what surprised me really was, in truth, a lot of the statements that were made by all three witnesses, two of whom I've had more dealings with than uh, the other. I've never directly spoken to Dave Fravor. David Grush, of course, you know, he is an integral part of the article that Leslie and Ralph published there at the debrief. And I've spoken to Ryan Graves, actually met Ryan Graves in public uh, before, but also having, you know, corresponded with him, sat down, spoken with him, and we keep in touch. Emailed him today, in fact, and I just told him what an incredible job he did. Uh, hearing especially David Grush of all three of those individuals saying, as Ryan pointed out earlier, that on the record they have been sworn in, so they are providing sworn testimony under oath and saying things like, yes, I have knowledge of a wreckage retrieval program. I interviewed 40 witnesses, information, classified information was provided to the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community. Uh, there are wreckage retrievals that uh, we believe to be of non-human origin. He even challenged some of the statements by Director Sean Kirkpatrick, the director of the All-Domain Anomaly yes. Office. Yeah. And he got cut off a little bit on that. I wish, yeah. I wish, uh, was it Fox? Was that the name of the representative? Um, the, yeah. the one who kind of cut, cut him off. I wish he would let him finish that thought. Well, that, again, one more incredibly uh I think surprising thing, if if you're referring to the same segment I'm thinking of, Grush says, yes, it seems that these were, you know, th we're looking at some extraterrestrials and that that's not consistent with what I've heard from Arrow. And she kind of interrupts and goes, oh, okay, whatever, you know, I, yeah, I, I've got to get on to other on. things. Let's like, talk about that Chinese spy balloon. And I'm thinking, in what reality, <laughs> talking about interdimensional phenomena, in what reality do we exist where we have a man who is under oath talking about the potential that there are extraterrestrial technologies, potential, though that is, that may be operating in our airspace, and we have an elected official saying, okay, great, great, i got to move on, though. No, let's talk about that balloon. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, right. that was that was the other thing along with Burleson that was a disappointment. Uh, I just think it was on her case and maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was intentional. I just think she wasn't thinking. She's like, I've got these things on my index card and I've got to hit every one of my points. Uh, Paul, what surprised you? I think I was surprised more about what was not said as compared to what was actually said. And let me try and put some meat on that. Um, I think there's a new narrative being written in order to follow this movement through. Um, so things that weren't talked about, Roswell, okay? Um, so we talk about crash retrieval. We, th there was mention of the one in Italy back in the 1930s, I think it was. Um, and maybe there's a legal nicety there that allows that to be discussed, but nothing else. Um, but I think by introducing new things, so like the Vandenberg sighting, it's piquing people's interest and it's saying that there's an awful lot more to this than people know. So it, it gives some momentum to this movement, if you like, um, to push it through. But I, I think there is a real amount of things that weren't said and for legal reasons by Dave Grush. Um, I think there's an awful lot more to come out, whether we'll get to hear it or not. I don't know. Um, I actually want to go to the uh, 
the group here, our viewers, thank you for tuning in tonight. And here's a point, uh, one that I don't necessarily agree with, and I have my own rebuttal to it, but I want to see what you guys say, because this is something we hear from a lot of skeptics. Haunted Autumn says, the problem with all the stories told here today, they're just stories. Mm -hmm. There was literally no actual evidence provided. Jim, after you, I've got a I got a comment on that. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I have a comment too, but I'll let you go first. What's okay, your comment, I mean, I'll tackle this one first. I hear this all the time. And again, I know a lot of people bag on Mick West. I think Mick West provides very good commentary as a counterpoint to some of the what by nature are extraordinary claims. But when we say, oh, these are just stories and they're literally useless, I would beg to differ. Again, there's that old and maybe a little too well-worn argument about when you go into court we have to rely on witness testimony, but that is true. Witness testimony does matter in a court of law. Now, it does not satisfy a physical scientist who is a physicist, a chemist, someone who works with physical, tangible evidence. We're working toward that point with UAP. And again, that's why I say the ball is really in the court of the scientists to get out there and try and say, look, if there is indeed all this smoke, let's find the fire. But I would maintain that those who know the history of this subject and who have studied this who have read all the relevant government documentation about this, going all the way back to the late 1940s and, you know, in some instances, maybe earlier, based on what Mr. Grush and others have said in recent days. If you know the history, I find it incredibly difficult, if not illogical, to presume that this is all just completely myth-making. A lot of it is, but I think that even if a few, just a handful of the stories that comprise the broader, deeper history of ufology, or uapology, if you want to call it that these days, <laughs> if there's some truth to that. I find it almost impossible to say that there's not some tangible reality behind that. And Haunted Autumn wanted us to know he wants to believe, but uh, he questions the evidence. Here, here's my thought on it. I'd be curious, again, with your guys' input on it as well. Uh, okay, Grush. One thing that was frustrating, even as me, who is sympathetic to Grush, is, well, I can't talk about that. We've got to do that in a skiff. But what would you have the man do? Mm -hmm. He's been cleared to say certain things, certain things he can't say legally. So what is he supposed to do? Say, oh, the heck with it. You know, I believe he's a family man, if I remember. The hell with my family, the hell with my life. I am going to put myself up for felony prosecution charges and just say whatever. Right. And plus, he probably I had that thought that I, yeah, I, I know, in a moment to... I was like, what if he did that? Wouldn't that be amazing? And they it literally took amazing. him out of there in cuffs, you know, like <laughs> but it would be unfair to expect that of him. So, for example, right. Dr. Michael Shermer, oh, we just the same old stories and nothing was presented. Just, you know, I can't talk about that. Well, of course, he can't talk about that. What would you have the man do? What else could he have done now? Right. The question is, what is the next step? Will there be a step to force some of these things to be unclassified so they can be shared? Ladies and gentlemen, that is why it's now being talked about in a, exactly. in a by you know congressmen and women right. in a formal setting with individual witnesses right. under oath who worked in government, not just people saying I worked at a facility or I saw a thing out right. one night. This is a very different level of the debate than what we've seen in the past. Exactly. Can I can yeah. I hop on that, Jim? Please do. Um, Grush brought up during this. This is kind of a shots fired, but he <laughs> said lazy attitude to declassify videos. Um, that really struck me because a lot of people who want evidence, they want those videos. They mm -hmm. want those photographs of these UAP. And he made a good point that 
it's just pure laziness that they're not declassifying portions of these videos or or anything to the American public. And we heard by so many of the Congress members, this is an issue with transparency and overclassification. Yes. So I think that's really what Grush was trying to get at is like, this doesn't all have to be classified. Come on. Like some of this stuff could literally change humanity and we're just holding it up in some aerospace company or some private company that doesn't have to answer to Congress yet, yet. I think that's what this legislation, which I'm sure we'll get to, uh, is kind of trying to convey. Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. And also the fact that um, why didn't he say certain things? Because like you guys said, he cannot. But it's mm -hmm. now up to Congress and up to this legislation, hopefully going through, that we will be able to get that information. He's providing what he knows and what he's been told. And now it's up to everyone else to either run with that or, or leave it on the ground. Um, any other thoughts on this? Yeah, Jim, can I come in on the evidence sure. thing for a minute, please? Um, so we say about no evidence being provided. Actually, yes, evidence was provided. It's hearsay evidence from Grush. It's witness evidence from the other two. Um, and the idea of that evidence is to give enough of a weight to the committee at Congress so that they can continue and go on and it gives them the grounds to go on and carry out a further investigation. And from that further investigation, they will obtain more evidence. Okay. And it's the weight of evidence that becomes proof. And we all have a different idea of what that weight of evidence will be. But when they say there's no evidence today, hundred percent wrong. Okay. Everything that Grush said, everything that the other two said was evidence. Great point. Well, I, I would add to that, Jim, uh, and, and uh, Glad, that uh, we have been presented visual evidence and that that's what's being released. And it's it's been out there now for quite a while. And that is only just a fraction of it. Now, if you have uh, Dr. Shankar Patrick say that, well, like the, the Baghdad sphere uh, is not displaying anything that is not within our known technology, you still have something that is not a conventional drone. That's just a... a a, a smooth orb uh, flying through the sky and, and perhaps it's going in a straight direction, but you have video of that. And I would say that you can at least gather some evidence and now you can uh, dismiss the Patterson Gimlin film showing uh, Patty the Bigfoot, but just from that visual evidence, which is the best we've ever had, I think, of, of a Sasquatch, uh, you can infer a lot and you're only getting a secondhand uh, copy of that, but you can see things that convince Scott and I to change our minds about it, or at least enlightenness about it in that uh, if you look very closely with uh, high definition scan of the footage uh, given to us by Bill Munn, you can see to our view uh, muscles underneath uh, what appear to be the fur and that it is clearly not something uh, it's a very it's if it is a costume it's much more sophisticated than we believe the the presenters uh, Patterson and Gimlin could provide and in that, in that sense, yes, that's all we have, uh, aside from some plaster castings of footprints, is that you you have that, but you can gain a lot from that. And I would say that uh, then people would get on Grush saying like, well, he's only heard stories and seen photos from other people. Right. It's secondhand. Well, you have two witnesses right there who saw it firsthand and who are pretty credible witnesses uh, who were, you know, naval pilots that encountered these things in, in real time. And the other evidence that is not being presented here, and I'm not sure it would make a difference to, or be 
recognizable or understood by anybody is if you had a lot of sensor data and that's just uh, numbers. But what you have uh, David Fravor pointing out is that uh, he's telling you, and, and this is logged somewhere because this was, uh, there was also a, uh, a uh, Naval weapons officer on board the Princeton, I believe who was monitoring uh, the numbers, let's say the sensor data that was coming in. And that's how they told him go to this next location. You're not going to believe this, uh, but this thing is uh, 60 miles point. away. Yeah. At the point, at, at your rendezvous point, your tally point, uh, within a, a few seconds or a, a fraction of the time, it would have taken them to fly there in jets. And it so somehow it knew where it was going to. And uh, that is logged data, but it's just numerical. I think what people here want, as with a Sasquatch, is they want it in a jar, in a cage, Mm -hmm. on the table and mm -hmm. they can say look at this thing we're going to turn on it's going to levitate spin around and then zoom through the roof without leaving a hole right that's what people are looking for and and come on you're not going to get that at this point but maybe one day it'll lead to that yeah i i, I think that some of it is legitimate i think some people legitimately say hey i want to see evidence and then i think some people who are dyed in the wool debunkers are just using it as a debating point like, well, uh, there's no evidence. And one I'll say, uh, actually, a guy I respect and who's been on the Paranormal Podcast, Dr. Michael Shermer, he trotted out exactly the same thing that he always says. There's nothing new here. They didn't tell us anything. And it's like, well, wait a minute. This isn't something he said on a podcast. Uh, I'll do respect to all podcasters, including myself. It's not something he said on News Nation. It's something that he said under oath. And, and where's the percentage? Okay, he gets a book deal. I hope it does him a lot of good while he's in prison, that being Grush, if he's made these things up and the other gentleman. So uh, honestly, um, just to me, what is the percentage in going in front of Congress and lying? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, I, I, I think that that's true, too. And I think the, the other thing was, to Gled's point earlier about the stuff between the lines, the other thing about the testimony today and what you can hear is all the things that you never hear in the hearings, but it's implied. It's it's the creep of capitalism, the compartmentalization, the, the reason that there, there, there was some comment that I'm still, I'm actually going to look for it here in a minute, but about how uh, maybe the uh, if some technology is superior and it's being reverse engineered, that's now there's profiteering involved with releasing that information. And the profiteering may be between private companies that are in the U.S. back to the U.S. government, or it could be from our government to foreign governments. Hey, look what we got. We got this thing that, you know, floats all by itself. We're going to charge you. There's like all of that obfuscation happening. And I think the other thing that goes on with the lack of evidence for people is the uh, the way that the government and the military and the Department of Defense is constructed. Things are just naturally siloed, not sure. out of any ill intent. It right. just It just evolved into this monster of, you know, empty rooms with file cabinets that people haven't looked at for 30 years because those people moved on to somewhere else or got transferred or whatever. And so I, I think it's completely believable. Like when he said it was it was lazy, I think it's completely believable that they have information they're not necessarily concealing for some big plan. It's just concealed out of essentially too much data, not enough people, not enough people paying attention, not necessarily always incompetence or big secrets or whatever. But on the other hand, it, it seems like there is this uh, this core component of uh, if if this stuff is true that was being mentioned today, there is some high level uh, separation between uh, some kind of group that is has got the power to deny that, which and I think that comes back to the whole Title 10 versus Title 50 thing about, you know, it's Title 50. 
uh, title 10, which is what you guys are is as far as you guys are ever going to get. So there's, that's the power struggle there. And I felt there was a little bit Congress today was saying, uh, we're having enough of this. We're elected representatives and we want to get, we want to get past that point, past the point of all the presidents who asked for data and were told no, no in the past. It's now they're saying, no, give us this data, share the data. So when, in terms of legislation, that's what I'm hoping is that the legislation will open the doors between those compartments. Burchett said something very interesting after the hearings in a couple of media opportunities. One was immediately after and uh, when there was a group of reporters there uh, outside the, the, the committee room. And then once, I believe, in a separate opportunity with Fox News. And basically, he said something along the lines, you know, if, if people are seeing pilots, trained military pilots are seeing this incredible demonstration of technology like a flying cube and these kind of things, Imagine what they could, how they could change our world, whether it's providing, you know, uh, heat for our homes. He basically said it could put the oil companies out of business. And then one time, I think he referred to them as war pigs, and another time maybe as war pimps, where he basically said that they could be put out of business as well. I mean, he and the others are really attacking some very, very powerful thoughts or uh, very powerful people. Uh, what are your thoughts, you guys, on that? Because I'm very curious to follow each one of these representatives and how their re-election efforts go. And if there's like vast amounts of money contributed to their opponents, <laughs> because these people, Burchett, Getz, um, Moskowitz, who is uh, fantastic, uh, these these people are going out on limbs. They're going out on limbs. What What do you guys think? I think yeah. there's every possibility that Acme Aerospace or whoever it's going to be is going to put money behind anybody who will stand against Burchett or any of the others there. Others? Other I mean, yeah, I, I, I think this is this is a race for technology. I mean, for so many years, we've heard people touting, you know, these craft work off of anti-gravitic propulsion. There, There's free energy being used to propel these things. Now, if we harness that technology here on Earth, uh, imagine, yeah, what that would do to the fossil fuel companies, what that would do to uh, big tech as well. Um, yeah, the economic ramifications for all of this coming forward, if it is true that that technology exists and somebody's in possession of it, um, the implication would be massive. It would be scary it would be exciting it would be everything in between kind of like this whole you know debate we're having on ai right now as well like we don't know what to expect so i think uh i think we are seeing i i think they even mentioned in the hearing this isn't just about transparency this is also about engineering and science and i was so happy they said that because yeah this wasn't just a congressional hearing on let's get to the truth but what could that truth do? How could it benefit humanity if we were to actually have that? So, yeah, I thought it was good that they at least brought up the science side to all of this as well. Thoughts on what these politicians are doing by going out on this particular limb? Look, I don't think they're just trying to get reelected. That's one thing that's pretty clear. I don't either, I, by the way. I think it's important to also note that you got... And today was a great example where we had some of the most left-leaning politicians and probably some of the most right-leaning in the same room together. And mm -hmm. they're clearly 
continuing a recent tradition of finding common ground on this UAP issue, because I think this is even a little more complex than as uh, Ronald Reagan put it. What if there were some, you know, interstellar threat? What if something came from outside of Earth's atmosphere? You'd think that the nations of the world would unite. He said that on many occasions. I think it's even more than that. I think that really it's fundamentally saying whatever this is, whether it has implications in terms of energy, whether it has implications in terms of secret technologies that are of earthly provenance that have been somehow innovated and operated behind the scenes, and that this is what Grush is saying has been kept out of the purview of Congress and illegally withheld from them, but not only Congress, also the American public. I mean, again, he has seemed to indicate that he thinks that there's evidence of something non-human. If you followed all of the recent whistleblower testimony, because there have been a number of individuals who have come forward with very different kinds of claims, all having to do with the central core focus of there being some kind of technology, aerial, but again, transmedium may be a better term for that because it doesn't always necessarily operate uh, exclusively in the air, so to speak. But again, the, the, the running theme with all of these claims is that there's some kind of technology in our midst that we are not able to easily account for with the known progress as history recognizes it, technological progress of the last century or so, and even before that. Whatever is at the heart of this, ours, theirs, or who knows what else, obviously all these members of Congress and Senate, they're saying, look, you know, we got to get to the bottom of this. This is a key issue. We may not see a tremendous threat. We're not really concerned that it's China or Russia, but that possibility exists with regard to some of these things. Whatever the range of possibilities may be, we don't want to be blindsided. We don't want to be caught off guard. And we have to look at this on behalf of the American people who elect us and put us in this position in government. Well, I think I saw a miracle today because I saw Matt Getz and AOC in the same room agreeing about something. Precisely. Yep. <laughs> so, so the question is why? I mean, it almost defies belief. There's something we don't know. People. Yes. About yes. the motivation. There is something we don't yeah. know about the motivation. Scott. And, and yeah, I'm sorry. Well, no, no, go I'm ahead. just going to say to that point, though, Scott, yeah. that's a really good point because I've often wondered, and I like your thoughts on this, but those of us who are out here who haven't been in the SCIF, who haven't been in there and received the briefings, right, that the members of these committees have received, Again, once again, the skeptical argument tends to be, what if there's really nothing to this? What if all these lawmakers believe nonsense? I look at it very differently. I say, what if they have been shown things in classified briefings that, that they I don't know us. about? Yeah. Right? Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I, you, you can only imagine what they're hearing in back channels, classified or not. And, you know, there's there's talk that happens. You know, and especially when you're in those halls every day doing your job and people are bouncing in and out of skiffs and things, you know, there are things information leaks out. But it's like it's like when Getz gets said today he was talking about uh, meeting with that pilot and the pilot had uh, the image uh, and all the gear. The other thing that's really important, too, is that these things are not just. Uh, playing footsie and getting away with uh, avoiding everything we have, they're also actively jamming the sensors. I'm straight out of Star Trek. They're jamming our sensors. They're jamming the sensors <laughs> on all the, the most sophisticated stuff we have on the most sophisticated jets. And, and, and they're just like, nope, you don't get to do that. You don't get to do that. And, and the only reason, you know, that, uh, that the Tic Tac was tracked was because they switched that targeting system and it managed to pick it up. You can hear them. They're so elated. They're like, we got, you know, we locked it because everything else was not working. 
And so that's, you know, that's the other question is like, what do they know about the motivations here? Because towards the end, when they were talking, um, I can't remember who was asking the question. It was like, do you think that this could potentially be a threat? Do you think there's this, uh, you know, something that we need to be concerned about from a defense standpoint? And all three of them are just like, yes, yes, yes. You know, just yes, yes, yes. So they were like nine yeses of like all the reasons that we need to get to the bottom of it, no matter what it is. Great. A year from now, uh, we were all our legs were being pulled by some sophisticated uh, part of the government that was pretending to have UFOs. Whatever. Great. Let's get there, too. But let's get somewhere. What about the Grush revelation that he had been threatened, that potentially people have been harmed, A, while reverse engineering these things, or and or B, harmed by people who want to keep this quiet? I mean, I, at one point, I think he called uh, some of the things done administrative terrorism. Yeah. Yeah. What about that? I mean, that's well, a bombshell. And that's something that I don't recall coming as much to the fore in the News Nation interview. But that was a bombshell. And again, are you going to lie about that under uh, under oath, being stripped of clearances, all the other things that are happening, having your entire career go away because you're saying this stuff? Why would you take those risks? And then on the other hand, if something if there wasn't something materially true to it, why would they be doing that stuff? And, you know, the additional implications of actual physical intimidation or something worse that, you know, that stuff hasn't been released yet. And maybe it won't be. That's the that's really the the part that's a bummer is like when when they go to meet with with Grush in the skiff, the, we're not going to hear about that either. That's the part I want to hear. But the how how much of the intimidation is beyond just, oh, well, you you know, you don't get to look at these documents anymore. It may be much more sophisticated. And for these people that this is their careers, that's the one of the worst things in the world that can happen to them just below physical harm to them or their family. Yeah, you know, I, I think. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Ahead, Ryan. I'm sorry, Forrest. Oh, no, I, I think under oath, Grush wanted to make it very clear for future whistleblowers of the challenges they're going to face and that that needs to change. Um, I, I think he even said, you know, my wife and I, like he made it very personal. He said, my wife, it was very kind of cryptic. Um, I don't really know what he yeah, meant that by that. Was but he said, weird. Yeah, my wife and I have suffered a lot of um, blowback, a lot of administrative terrorism. And I think this was his chance in front of the biggest audience he could say, look, I use this whistleblower legislation. I did everything right. I went through the proper channels. And still, my home got broken into. Still, I'm being threatened on a daily basis to remain quiet. Um, so, yeah, I think this was an opportunity for him to show the implication of coming forward and that that does need to change. Brian, I got to I got to jump in on that point right there, because, you know, it's very important what you just said. Grush is sitting here and I think incredibly responsibly uh, the tone of what we saw in this hearing today, very different from the News Nation interview, it, it was very measured. It was very careful about what he said. And even in some instances, when asked certain questions, he said, really, I would just refer you back to what I said in that interview. And I'm not going to elaborate on that point here. Maybe I could talk about that in a closed door environment, i.e., you know, a classified uh, version of this briefing. But when he's talking about some of the potential challenges that he has faced, uh, the mainstream media did, and, and again, I, you hear this a lot, and you know, Jim and I, with our background in, in talk radio and everything, we've heard that for years. The here's what the mainstream media is missing, and all this kind of stuff. But I, I've almost felt like I've been having to kind of tout that line a little in recent days because when the debrief broke that story, uh, first, of course, there was this 
initial wave of reporting where a lot of sites picked up on it and then basically every major media outlet, every legacy media outlet, then they pick up on the story. And then a few of them begin to question it. And, and now there's this interesting kind of wave where we're starting to see this kind of rewriting of the narrative where they're trying to say that the story first carried by News Nation. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm really quick to point out the, the incredible work that Ralph and Leslie did in, in working on this. They've been working with Grush, talking about this, investigating this, vetting him, vetting other witnesses that they spoke with, like Carl Nell. This had been a process going on for months. And this is not something that just comes out of the blue. But some of the mainstream media report this as though, well, you know, these are all unverified claims. And it was just a story that was rushed into publication. No, part of the reason why it was published the way that it was, was twofold. One, of course, it was getting down to the line, all the work that Ralph and Leslie had put into it. It had to go out when it did. But as they have emphasized time and time again in interviews, it had been the fact that Grush was getting weird phone calls. It was the fact that he was receiving what he characterized today as this sort of administrative terrorism. He was receiving repercussions, and there is historic precedent for others who, when they feel that they are being cornered as a result of maybe bureaucratic influence or any other kind of an influence where they have to go out and become public so as to protect themselves from the further damage or harassment that they may incur, I mean, you see this, and there are instances where there's precedent for it. Grush appears to have been doing that in this instance, too, and that's something that I've seen the mainstream media miss. It wasn't a story that came out just because, ah, the debrief looks like a fun place to publish this. We did our due diligence, and we fact-checked, and we also vetted every single one of those individuals. We were you know, in contact with Senate staffers, and we managed to pull it together, and yet none of these outlets that have reported this in that way have reached out to us for clarification on those matters. They just presume and they write that. And they seem to have all missed that this is a guy who, as he said now under oath, this has fallen all you know right down on top of me on, on my lap. He had to come out. He had to talk about it. And today, again, the extension of that ongoing dialogue was him talking about it entirely in a responsible manner, doing so in a way, like you said, with a warning to future whistleblowers, please come out and join this dialogue. We need more of you, but there's a responsible way that you have to do it. And I hope that they'll do it like he did. And of course, that part that we played in that, I respect him all the more knowing from behind the scenes how he did it, why he did it, and how he's trying to encourage others to do that as well. And congratulations for the debrief for breaking that. You guys have played a major role and really very much. I think you guys should be applauded as Nunes Nation should be uh, applauded. But here's my point, and I tweeted this out today. If this had been a hearing attacking Joe Biden or Hunter Biden, wall-to-wall coverage on Fox News, if this had been something attacking um, Donald Trump, wall-to-wall coverage on CNN and MSNBC. So I'm not playing favorites here. It's just the truth. Cable news networks have biases. They have their target audiences they cater to. And it's red meat when they can attack their political opponents on both sides. Okay? Wall-to-wall coverage. This is breaking news. Breaking news. We're talking about potentially the biggest story in history, human history. No wall-to-wall coverage, barely mentioned. I was watching News Nation on my big TV, and I was on my phone. Where's CNN? Where's Fox News? Where's Mm -hmm. MSNBC? Dereliction of duty. Yeah. I mean, the idea of journalism, and these are supposed to be not like me, like an internet guy who's on here just doing a podcast. These are supposed to be real journalists 
where the hell were they today? And why didn't they cover this wall to wall like they should have? Why? I think you've answered that, Jim, already in so much as that the real journalists have been doing the work. So you've got that journalistic nexus of Bryce Zabel, um, Coulthard, Kane, Blumenthal, and the rest actually getting in there, finding out and doing it. And then the big mainstream media organizations have been playing chicken with each other about, okay, who's going to who's going to go first? And I think today what's finally happened is that this push from this um, journalistic nexus, if you like, has finally pushed it over the line and the dam has burst. And finally, the big media organisations have to look at it. And I, I look at the ones over in the UK today, The Guardian, they've all been pretty kind with their coverage. Um, they're all just sort of sitting back and going, mm, I don't know, but um, OK, this is what's happened. But up until that point, it's like they're thinking, uh, no, too stigmatic. And I think today... This flood has finally washed away a lot of the stigma. It may have washed the stigma, but they're going to continue to bury it. I, I believe mm. it is going to take almost the proverbial landing on the White House lawn before the mainstream media says, yes, we need to cover this without the goddamn chuckle. I'm sorry. I'm getting yeah. mad. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, with the smirk and the chuckle and, and the friggin' X-Files music. I mean, we have fun yeah. with it and we have humor and I've had UFO Phil on my show. But but the point is, is that, come on, guys, come on. Let's get serious it's, here. Let's get serious. Jim, you know what you know what it is? It's yeah. what you've just mentioned. I thought about this today. At the very least, uh, local news, news stations have stopped playing the X-Files theme. Because I think, yeah. as to what Glenn was saying, and your point earlier, your question earlier, Jim, about why some uh, politicians are seemingly to take this seriously now and show up and ask the, the questions, like the, the, the very beginning nascent questions, but before they wouldn't even ask questions. So what's happening here? And I think I think what people are talking about when you say, uh, "Well, we haven't seen anything new. We're not uh, we're not getting any new evidence. This and that," is that what's happening here? To Glad's point is that a tide is turning, and I believe that the politicians, you know, it's not for getting reelected. It's it's at some point if this is all true, uh, at some point you're going to look really foolish. And I just they need to get ahead of that curve, Forrest. You have to. Well, yeah, at some point, it, it's if you're the only the last person out of 100 denying that, uh, you know, the Titanic is sinking, mm -hmm. you look like an idiot. And so, you know, I, a tweet today from James Fox that I saw made a lot of impact to me. And, uh, and it's funny, just it's also a, a field of personalities and how people take and receive each other. And it's a cult of personality and, and just people piling on and ganging up against some people they, they think are goofballs and some people get more respect. James mm -hmm. Fox, uh, the director, uh, document director, seems to get a lot of respect generally. But his tweet uh, from seven hours ago, he says, I've been laughed at, made fun of, mocked for decades. Today I watched the hearings, uh, solo from my phone, and shed several tears. Too many to thank for those, uh, but those in particular who dedicated their lives, uh, but are no longer with us. History was made and it's only getting started to his point is that uh, a tide is turning. And it again, at some point, uh, I, I think people are overlooking the main important thing and uh, and trying to pick about you know, bits and nitpick here and there about, well, that doesn't sound right or that doesn't seem true. Or why did this person do that? It's like with with David Grush, you know, people were questioning is like, well, wh why if he's saying all this? Why didn't they stop him? Because, of course, what he was going to uh, come out in public was reviewed 
I can't, I can't remember the uh, governmental agency that does that. Uh, yeah, at the, right, at the Pentagon. Uh, and the answer was, is that, well, anything that he's saying is not actually classified. Now, think about that, because that is a philosophical turn. And that, uh, is, as Dave Grush said in an interview, it's like, it's, you know, it, it's and, and uh, owing to Oppenheimer today, knowing that a country has nuclear weapons may not be such a big secret. You know, it, you can see the new testing at some point. You're, you're monitoring, you know what they're capable of and what they probably have, and they're going to have to test it. Uh, but they're not telling you how it works. And so what Dave Grush is saying is like, well, uh, what we're saying is that we have reverse engineered craft. We're testing it. We have been for, for 50 years, 60 years. Uh, but we're not going to tell you exactly how what we have and how it works or what we, our findings were. That is classified, and that does owe to uh, national military secrecy, which I, I believe at some point should, uh, you know, everybody wants that to be spilled. Like, well, it's not going to happen, okay? Just grow up. But the bigger, the bigger admission and the first step is that we have it to begin with at all. They are telling you it's like, well, that's not secret. Now, you may not believe him, and I think that's what they're counting on is that, well, classically, everybody who comes out and says these UFOs exist at all has been to their uh, campaigns you know, branded an idiot or, or crazy. And now we're past that. And so at some point, uh, just the fact that they're saying like, well, we're not going to tell you what we have, but no, these craft exist. There is footage of it. And it doesn't matter because some people still won't believe that you, it's just what I always say about the paranormal. It's very personal. A lot of this, you're going to have to experience yourself and then you're going to have to admit to yourself or change your beliefs. So what we're seeing on a on a governmental, national, global level is the first, you know, the chink in the armor is that it's starting to, uh, you know, the crack of the dam is starting to happen. And now it's uh, at some point, though, like I said, you're going to have to jump on board or get left behind. And the longer you let that go, the more ridiculous, ridiculous you're going to look. Yeah. Ryan, I want to talk to Ryan for a minute because in your live stream, I got to catch the very end of it and it was excellent. Uh, you had Chrissy Newton on there. You had uh, Kelly from the UFO Rabbit Hole podcast and, and they were fantastic. You were fantastic. But you got choked up at the end. And in speaking to Forrest talking about that James Fox tweet, you know, you're an experiencer. And for all the years that maybe you've experienced ridicule and so forth. So as an experiencer, can you talk about what this event today has meant for you and, and why it was so emotional for you? Yeah. I mean, and look, I, I, I've tempered my expectations and I've remained objective on all of this ever since 2017. I've been cautious as everyone has of why all of this is coming forward now, what's happening Who's behind all of it? Um, but there was a moment today during my post-discussion after the hearing uh, where, yes, I was talking to Chrissy and and Kelly, and something just hit me. Like like Forrest said, it, it, it was vindication. You know, I've seen something. Hundreds of thousands of people all over the world have seen something. Those two pilots under oath today. Uh, testified that they saw something they couldn't explain. One of them even saying that he still, so many years later, doesn't believe it to be of human origin. And then you have Grush bringing forward the stuff that he did. Um, so this topic of UFOs is deeply personal, not just for those who experienced it, but for those who haven't. 
And, and I, that all just hit me when I saw them, you know, I, I was looking at an image. I think when, when Chrissy was talking of the guys, you know, putting their hands up and swearing to tell the truth under oath for all of this. And, um, it just hit me like never in my life did I think I would see it. And then something caught my attention in my live chat. And that was someone saying, I wish Stanton Friedman could have oh, seen yeah. this today. Yes, And yes, dude, yes. that's when I lost it. Cause I mean, for anyone in the UFO field, he was the guy and he strived for this his entire life without getting those answers. And again, to think that we might be just a little bit closer and I'm not saying disclosure is happening tomorrow. This is going to be a long, long, bumpy road ahead after today. Um, but we're closer. And to think that within my lifetime, I've seen this, this hearing happen. Um, it was vindication enough for me, not of what I saw or what everyone else has seen, but that it's okay and that we can talk about it and that we can have congressional hearings about it and try to get to the truth that seems to be hidden from us. So yeah, yeah, that, that's why it kind of hit me. Yeah. And, and again, just uh, everybody go back and watch that uh, somewhere in the skies, YouTube channel, a uh, great, great live stream that uh, uh, quick and you know, quick, just also yeah. quickly, Jim, I, we, I think everybody here would say congratulations on 18 years. As yeah. A oh, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, a warm <laughs> round of applause for well, thank you. Jim Harrell. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Totally not necessary, but, but I appreciate it. But it was actually interesting as I was going through the clips, I ran across a clip from Paul Hellyer. I got to interview oh. Paul Hellyer, who had been the former National Defense Minister of Canada, basically our equivalent to the Secretary of Defense. So a big guy. Uh, and of course, he's since passed. This was 2014. But here's the quote that got me and this is a paraphrase. But basically, he said, well, word has it among blacks, uh, black ops people that uh, the U.S. has 10, 12, 14 UFOs. And my jaw dropped. That's exactly what came across around the time of the Grush revelations, the original interview, and the word that was put out there were a dozen yeah. of non-human craft. And I was like, oh my God, he was saying this nine years ago. And I was just blown away by that quote. We included it in the anniversary special that, you know, this isn't just something that popped up. It's been buried for all these years and it's being dusted off and exposed. But, uh, you know, th this whole idea of the, the U.S. having this uh, this program, it, it really seems I mean, even though as much as I have always believed that there is something to the UFO uh, phenomenon, you watch something like today and say, oh, my God, it wasn't in my imagination. This is true. This is real. This is, is. Have any of you had that. I mean, as much as I purport myself to believe be a believer as much as I do believe there's all that little bit of doubt. D did any of you have a moment today is like, Oh my God, this is, this is really, really true. This is absolutely true. Go this ahead. is what the moment was, Jim. The moment was, I remember back in the day when you and I did the paranormal report, I still get emails literally within the 20, last 24 hours. I've gotten emails <laughs> from people saying, you know, I've, Mike, I've followed you since you and Jim did the paranormal report together years ago and, and it was a weekly video you know actually we did all audio versions as well but for the longest time before it was easy to do like it is now we were doing video commentary you know on things that were happening in the you know news with relation to the unexplained 
and I was really sitting there today going, wow, he and I would just be having a field day with this right now. In fact, there would be so much happening. It would be too much for us to cover. But in truth, I look up here on my adjacent wall. They used to be right here behind me. And now I've, I've got my Michael Schratt legacy of classified aircraft mm -hmm. and then legacy of UFO case files. But I got my facsimile copies of the Roswell Daily Record and the famous publication in 1947 that summer where they have the Roswell story. You know, General Ramey emptying the flying saucer and then the RAAF, you know, uh, you know, capturing a disc there on that brand, on Mac Brazel's ranch. And I look at all that. And I think about the fact that, you know, we're, we're seeing discussion here, you know, in this in this hearing about all of this today in a way that really is even different from the past recent congressional hearings. But the fact that within a you know, couple of short years, we've seen three of these now. Right. How many years had it been since the last one before that? And I think that the one that occurred back in the 1960s was basically like a closed door session, if memory serves, where there'd just been a briefing on uh you know, aerial incidents that were occurring in the 1960s that Michiganians and others were very concerned about. Gerald Ford had famously uh, commented on this, and he'd taken issue with J. Allen Hynek, the official science advisor to the Air Force's Project Blue Book, saying, you know, it's very likelihood that, you know, swamp gas and things like this could account for some of these sightings. Again, the nature of the debate has changed. We're hearing more of it. We're seeing more of it. That's very different. And again, yeah, there, there was certainly a moment for me where I'm sitting there thinking, Jim and I really would have a field day with this but the other thing <laughs> going back to what ryan was talking about you know he and i both knew stanton friedman fairly well and jim in fact right before stanton passed away you were with him that weekend yeah, yeah. i'll never forget riding up to uh, riverside california with stanton and having lunch one day and talking about all of the things and i, I was fortunate enough to really get to know stanton pretty well right there at the end and uh well enough i think that at least in one instance he went on coast to coast one night and when somebody asked him you know, who do you think is the next up and coming UFO person? He had mentioned me and John Greenwald, I think. I didn't hear it. A friend told me they were listening and and uh, Stanton put that plug in. And that was so kind of him. But the thing is, is like Ryan said, what would what would Stanton have thought about what we're seeing right now? I'll tell you my theory on that, Ryan. He wouldn't have been going, wow, look at all this. He would have been saying it something like this. Well, I've been telling you that for decades already. <laughs> right? He, Stanton had already done the work. He had already done the research. He had made up his mind. And, you know, he was really pretty hard-lined on that. Well, the aliens are doing this or that. He knew what they were. But, you know, for him to see this all right now, oh, it wouldn't yeah. have been so much, wow, what a revelation. It would have been vindication. Because yeah. he would have been saying, look, folks, I've been telling you. Telling you. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to address what Ken said, because I noticed in the comments, Ken is probably one of our more skeptical uh, people. But you know what? That's OK. And I just want to reiterate this. This was literally put together in about 10 minutes right after the hearings. I texted Scott to talk. Uh, Scott texted Paul. I texted Ryan and Micah. First of all, we needed to have some women on this panel. Somebody said that and they were absolutely right. Uh, we'll do better next time. And you know what? I do think in a way, first of all, I think everybody on this panel is maybe except for me, you know, pretty intelligent people. And I think that we all have, you know, our believer side, but I also think we have our skeptical side. So yes, I don't think do. we are shills. I will mm -hmm. say that. Now, probably I think it's fair to say most of us kind of shade on that believer side. I think that's fair to say. 
And I think this is appropriate to have something with a panel of our kind of people having debate and discussion on this. However, I, in yeah, the future, yeah. I am more than happy to have Mick West or uh, Dr. Yeah. Michael Shermer or whomever. And I've had Joe Nickel. I've had Ben Radford. I've had um, Dr. Michael Shermer. I've had skeptics on my show. I have no problem with it. I may disagree with them. If yeah. they're willing to have the conversation, I'm willing to have the conversation. And I'm estimating that everybody in this room is willing to have that conversation. So, Ken, I hope yeah. that answers your question. Yeah, well, and I, I uh, want to... Jim, Ken, oh, sorry. Well, I, I was going to... Well, Forrest, uh, first of all, traditionally, I always interrupt you, so I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> don't, and then, don't break with tradition. No, yeah. I'll just quickly say, Ken and I have been going back and forth on Twitter all day, and like I, I really enjoy actually debating with him. He's got some very good points. and But I guess... And this is something I said to him earlier, and I don't know where the rest of you guys come down with it. And um, again, Forrest, you can come back to what you wanted to say, but it's it's gotten so big with the testimony and everything that's happening that I find it actually harder to believe it's a cover-up than there's something behind uh, it's too far the other way for me. So my, I do have the skepticism. My skepticism is that this is all something else. I just, I, I can't believe that. Psyops? I, I, no, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I can't believe that it's psyops because it's too, too big and too grand and too. It's you know, it's mm -hmm. testifying under oath at congressional hearings and you know, under penalty of perjury and people's families and lives in jail. And I mean, this would be the biggest, most ridiculous conspiracy of all time. Uh, okay. So, to, wait, just I'm gonna uh, trail off because we've been doing this for so long. Yeah. I, uh, we finish each other's sentences. <laughs> uh, the, the going off of what Scott said and and to kind of address uh, what what Ken is saying before he explodes. Uh, no, we love th that point of view, and I would say um, if you're true to yourself, well, first of all, some of the best skeptical shows, uh, episodes, podcasts I've heard have been on Jim's show uh, with. Uh, Basically, uh, I think the one that struck me the most is uh, Dr. Michael Shermer, and I've listened to him on other shows. I, I liked it so much, and I agree with a lot of what he says. The, the parts where I don't or would question him further is that there there is a stopping point for uh, somebody whose career, and of course, obviously, people make a career out of belief and going after these kind of things and, and uh, diving in full force, uh, as there are on the other side, which is... It's always the these are interesting things, but ultimately the answer must be no. And I think with Dr. Michael Sherbert, it, on Jim's the two things that have always stuck with me is uh, many years ago he had him on and he said, uh, "Well, how do you shoot? How should we approach with a skeptical eye, a scientific eye in viewing things like this, uh, the paranormal?" He said, "Well, you know what we have found, and this is uh, probably what um, uh, the uh, the resolution office has, has come up with is like, well, cause there's a certain percentage that we just don't know about. And it just baffles us. Right. And to Shermer's point is that, okay, we take that and we put that aside. We put that on a shelf cause we just cannot look at it. And we look at everything else. And Jim said something later, not in that interview, but like, that's the part you should be looking at. If we can, the, <laughs> the, the part 10 you put on the shelf. That, does, yeah. that you put on the shelf. Another thing that uh, Dr. Michael Shermer said in an, in an article, which I, uh, I, I can't remember the uh, scientific American, I believe. Yeah, is that he had a very personal, and I, I it made me well up with a little bit with uh, get, get teary eyed in that it was about uh, his wedding, and something kind of mystic mystical happened with an old broken radio that his wife believed was her grandfather who who had come through, and it's like man, that is, if that's just a uh, a Spielberg amazing story, that's pretty good. Yeah, the, but the radio he, never worked before. It never worked before. It was broken never again. Yeah. And it comes on and it plays, uh, 
his favorite music, the grandfather's favorite music. And then after that, it stopped, never worked again. Uh, and he's trying to fix it. You know, he, he knows about electronics. He's tried to fix it, tried to figure it out, couldn't. And at the end of the article, he says, well, because of who I am and what I believe in and what I do for a living, I just have to say it was a fluke. And that's fine. Yeah, it's uh, one skeptical core. But of course, it was not paranormal. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, yeah, he was shaken to the core. I would say, though, uh, where I am and this is a question I want to put to the panel here. If there's anything uh, like what Scott was saying that I'm skeptical about is that I think if I'm true to myself, I'm beyond doubting that there is something anomalous flying through the skies. I don't know where they came from. Uh, I don't know if I would believe any governmental uh, announcement of what we have. In fact, there was a big Reddit article that came out and, uh, you know, it was somebody who was claiming to be a microbiologist who had worked at, uh, uh, basically worked on exobiology with uh, captured extraterrestrials. It was very well written. Uh, some friends of mine who uh, are knowledgeable about these things said he talks the talk uh now you can't you you can't suss that out whether it's real or not because of course the person uh doesn't want to come get you know get harassed but uh i think to me in, in my in my belief i'm beyond doubting that these things are now what i would put to the panel is okay what uh because here's another argument i think that that's also skeptical is that it's the richard Doty mirage men angle and that perhaps all these even high level people uh, are being misled, being manipulated. Uh, there's a narrative being formed that is, it's right on, but not everything's uh, not everything's true. And something that even Richard Doty says uh, in that really good documentary is that uh, what they were feeding uh, that poor guy, uh, you know, it was like he said, well, it was about sixty percent baloney and about forty percent real stuff. And that's the, that's your Shermer ten percent. What about the forty percent that's real? What what was what were they telling him that was actually you know some fact, and the rest was made up just to see uh, how he would react and what uh, if there was any leaks. So some it's not all lies. So I would put to the panel like, what do you think about that Richard Doty angle and that this is all again just misinformation, misdirection, but informed misdirection. What do you guys say? I think. Um, um, Sorry, just to Go ahead, come back on that one. Uh, I think there's going to be a period of reflection after today where we're going to go through in our own minds the various parts of this phenomena, if you like. Um, so, you know, I'm just thinking about what Ken said about sceptical, you know, a sceptical view. I, I, I was a cop for 25 years. I'm an evidence guy. So, so when I look at these things that are happening, I'm looking for evidential basis for everything um but th this reflection period that we're going to go through and i think tonight is more about a celebration of the historic aspect of today um as well as a bit of a you know just kicking it around to see how we feel there's going to be this reflection period where we go through things like how do we now feel about bob lazar how do we feel about crop circles animal mutilations the abduction phenomena all of these extra things that are packaged in with UAP and it'd be interesting just to see how we feel about all those individual little things after this starts to sink in. And uh, I, I have to go back to Ryan for a minute because he had those multiple pages of notes. Uh, so tell us something, 
Let's tell, hear yeah, yeah, tell us something in those notes that we're missing. What, what's something you um, want to make sure that we get out on this live stream? Because, I mean, you really do have such great insight, and I, I want to get uh, I want to get some of your wisdom there. Tell us something in those notes that we we've missed. Well, that's very kind. Um, well, I do have I have psyop written down here, um, but the only reason is because a lot of people do believe that all of this is dis disinformation. That was asked by several of the Congress members to these members on the panel um, as well. Like, is this all, are you guys like playing a trick on us? And I said, no, like, again, for this to be some huge grand psyop, this would have had been planned for 70 plus years. Hundreds of thousands of people would have to be in on it. I just don't buy it, but here's, here's where I kind of land on it. Either all of this is not all of it, but a good portion of this is true and there is non-human intelligence out there visiting our planet and the United States government or other world governments know about it or are in possession of said craft, or this is some huge psyop for reasons unknown. Either story is the biggest story of all time. Right. And would bring about so many implications either way. So I kind of look at it that way. We, we don't know what is going on. Um, I like to use the term disinformation sandwich to truths be, you know, to a lie between two truths or flip that and reverse that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I that's that's kind of my thoughts on the whole PSYOP thing. I'm just maybe a part of me thought that for a while. But again, after today, uh, no, I, I just I don't buy that by any stretch of the imagination. There's too much to lose. Um, it would be so wildly successful. I, I, I honest to God, I don't think they're capable of pulling it off. <laughs> absolutely not. I mean, how long does it take? Yeah, seriously. Government can barely like tie their shoes. Like the fact that they would be able to do something like that just doesn't make sense to me. And the last thing I'll say on these notes um, is Garcia at the end of this thing mm -hmm. kind of put a really good bow on it for me. And he did say, and we did talk about this, um, the media has a very important role to play in all of this. And the, I'm just going to say it, and maybe I'm biased because I have written for, for Micah's publication, but we would not be here having this conversation today without the work of Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenthal right. and the debrief. Yeah, absolutely. There would not have been a congressional hearing today if it were not for that story to come out and be published, for the BBC today to cover it, for the New York Times today to cover it. Again, they were all slow, as they always are, to get to it. Um, but I think Garcia made a good point that journalists, independent journalists, which we're seeing more and more each day, um, are going to be the ones to really move this forward and to stay on it. You know, not to just cover what happened today and move on to whatever happens tomorrow. Um, we will not find the answers if we just let it die. So I think that was a really good point that he put at the end there, Garcia, about the media plays an important role. And that is self-explanatory with what Leslie Kane, Ruff Blumenthal and the debrief did here. Here's my fear. You tell me if I'm being paranoid. I've been paranoid before. Okay. Think. JFK assassination and how there was the legislation to disclose all the files. But under almost every administration, when there's supposed to be a disclosure, they might drip and drab a few documents. 
but they don't get the good stuff out there. No, they don't. They don't clear it. And again, and I think this was to Burchett's point or one of the Congress people's point, you know, or the the chairman. Um, I mean, yeah, we can't maybe can't declassify things that have happened in the last 10 years. But things 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, um, almost 70 years old. Uh, if you believe the Italian <laughs> story, eight, you know, 80 years old or 90 years old, the, the point being, is this just going to be more of the same? You know, OK, there's legislation passed. Everything's got to come out and a certain amount of stuff that comes out, but nothing really that changes anything. And then every time that it's time for the good stuff to come out, somebody in the, you know, uses the old proverbial rubber stamp and says, denied, 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 redact, redact, redact. And we're just going to be this. We're going to be old men. And we're going to be talking about this. Well, not not Ryan and and not Mike as much, but the rest of us. I'd we're be surprised. Talk about this in twenty years. I yeah, back at we're not day. as young as you think we are anymore. But, but, but thank but, you. But, but, but the point being, the point being, are we going to be back here in twenty years talking about the same thing and still waiting for something, or is this time different? Is this time different? It feels different, but I'm afraid, you know, bureaucracy being what it is. Politics being what it is, and the fact that, yeah, these Congress people, I think, were very brave today, most of them. Uh, but there's a there are factions, right? And there are a lot mm -hmm. of powerful factions in government, in the bureaucracy, in the military, and in elected officials who don't agree. So, you know, I, I mean, I feel like we won the first quarter, but <laughs> there's a lot more game left. What do you guys all, think? All valid like, points, but listen, the one thing that must be said, it, rather than, I think, looking at this and saying, is this time different? We should look for, well, what is different? What are we seeing that's different? And, and what direction is that pointing? And I think that's it, it's just vitally important to point out a few things. With the current sensory capabilities of the United States military, and all of that going to work, at least in terms of what Arrow currently has access to, uh, Susan Goff, the spokeswoman for the Pentagon, has repeatedly said there's nothing that's being withheld from Arrow. But, of course, that's somewhat contradictory because in the earlier Senate hearing this year, uh, we, of course, saw Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick tell Senator Kirsten Gillibrand that Arrow didn't have Title 50 authority, that it has Title 10 authority currently, or at least at the time of that hearing it did, which essentially means that some of the best stuff that's being collected by other intelligence agencies, CIA, NSA, you know, what have you, that Arrow, at least as of the time of that hearing, didn't have, time, uh, didn't have access to that. And my understanding would be that they still don't. So there is some question about, well, do they really have access to everything that they need? Now, in truth, we've also said that, or rather we've seen Dr. Kirkpatrick manage to reveal some information, get it through the proper declassification process, that even with the current UAP classific uh, classification guide, which according to my understanding, that the classification guide that dictates what information regarding UAP, uh, you know, how it should be dealt with, what should and should not be classified, that was a product of the predecessor of the uh, current agency, Arrow, which was the UAP task force. Uh, but that is still, of course, what's used. When we saw information being redacted in the ODNI reports, even the version that John Greenwald got released of the 2021 report, all that stuff in the additional appendixes that, it, that you know, the public never even saw originally. And then it ends up being included in the redacted version that is released after he files not a FOIA request, but something similar, a mandatory declassification review. There's still all that redacted stuff. Uh, essentially, that's as a result of the UAP 
classification guide, what it dictates can and cannot be released. But obviously we saw that a bunch of stuff that was released in the second round had been withheld the first time. So my question, and John's, of course, at the time had been, why did they leave all that stuff out from the public viewing the first round? So the first presumption is there's probably a lot of stuff that the public can have access to that simply, maybe back to Ryan's earlier point, maybe it's laziness, as they said during the hearings earlier, who knows what else, but that's not being released. And probably with a more, you know, a a closer uh, eye, a little more scrutiny, a lot of the stuff that's being withheld currently probably could be deemed releasable. But again, additional legislation may help with that too. But again, if we see anything that's different right now, and back to your fundamental point, Jim, is this the same old, same old, or are we really seeing change right now? All the indications to me are that with the technology we have, but that paired along with, of course, an effort, an active effort to try and release information. And we're now seeing lawmakers trying to make that information, if not immediately releasable, more accessible. Yes, we may have to wait 25 years for some of it based on the current language in the UAP Disclosure Act of 2023 that's been proposed as an amendment by no less than the Senate Majority Leader, mind you, for the next NDAA. But all these things to me are evidence of, yeah, we are seeing differences. And if these trends continue, we will see the kind of change that in decades past we have not. Indeed. By the way, I want to recognize a couple of people now. I will I'll have to get in touch with everybody so we can split these uh, these proceeds. But we had a super chat from Haunted Autumn. Want to throw in some support. I was pushing back a bit today, but I love you and all your contributions to the community cannot be overstated. Thank you, Haunted Autumn. We Thank appreciate you. your support. And then we have Dante, who says this is honestly a big step in the right direction. So we uh we uh, thank you very much for that. Didn't even think about Super Chats today. I just wanted to get you guys on and talk about this. Um, something came up in my discussion a couple of weeks ago with Nick Pope. And uh, I've heard this before. Uh, but one of the reasons potentially that some people may be fighting so hard against this is because the truth is too much. Not that they're aliens, but something truly earth-shattering, like they created us. Um, And I have read on the internet, and I'd be interested if anybody knows about this, supposedly Jimmy Carter wept after his UFO briefing. Now, again, I don't know if that's true. I'm trying to get a hold of Grant Cameron because he writes about it in his recent book. And if any of you know it's true, please let me know. But my point is, is it is it one of those things where maybe we all want the truth? I want the truth. I want to know. And I think everybody on this panel wants to know. Most of the people watching want to know. But do you think the case might be ignorance, might be bliss? Maybe once we find out, we kind of wish, geez, I wish I didn't know. I, I think you, I heard Ross Coulthard say a few weeks ago about a truth so horrific that we wouldn't yeah. want to know it. Um, I, I'm not sure if I'm appropriating it to the wrong person. Um, but... Um, yeah, I'd, I'd heard that said by somebody. Um, I guess the other side of that coin is it's down to us to know whether we're going to be horrified by it or not, not for somebody else to make our minds up. Good point. Other thoughts, Scott? Do you really want to know? Do you really want to know? Uh, yeah, it's the red pill, blue pill. You know, are we just batteries? <laughs> are we, uh, if you're talking about the thing that uh, Forrest was, that biology, at least I think that was it. I'm still reading it. It is uh, dense, the post on Reddit with the exobiology. There was an idea that we're incubators for life forces. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's, that would be some freaky stuff. And yeah, do we want to know it or do we want to go back into the matrix and eat steak? I don't know. 
Uh, I would you, say, Ryan? oh, go oh, ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, Ryan, steak or disclosure? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, I'm a vegetarian. Steak. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> um, I, I'll make this quick. Um, you know, I, I, we just celebrated the Roswell anniversary not too long ago. Um, and I went back to some of the stuff that someone like Annie Jacobson said in yeah. her book about area 51, yep. you know, that those last few pages that everyone talked about, um, about possible, you know, mentally handicapped or physically disabled children were yeah. actually put into these high altitude things flown over America. And, um, that's, what the Roswell incident was. Um, I've heard similar stories from people like Nick Redfern and, and stuff like that. Um, and I think it really is a case to case basis. And what I'm trying to get at is, uh, yes, someone in the chat said the truth might be darker than we could ever expect. Maybe that is the truth behind the Roswell incident. Maybe it was not aliens. Maybe it was something so horribly grotesque. Maybe it was America using children in our own country as test experiments for high altitude balloons. I'm not saying that's what it was. I don't want people to, to, to take that away from this. Um, but yes, the actual truth might be much more dark and horrific than just aliens coming here from another planet. So I, I think it's also important to keep in mind that um, UFOs don't exist in a vacuum uh, per se. They are all different. They're all snowflakes. Every single UFO ufo case could have a different explanation um so yeah I, I think kind of touching on that side of all this that it could be far weirder um and far darker or far more exciting than we could ever imagine than just aliens coming here from zeta reticuli <laughs> two quick notes before we go to mike and ask him if he wants steak or if he wants the truth <laughs> First of all, I want to give the audience an opportunity to ask some questions. So in the chat, please put a cue in front of any questions you have for the panel. We're probably going to try to wrap this up in about 36 minutes at the top of the hour, 9 p.m. Eastern. So again, put a cue in front of your questions and we'll try to get to some of them. I want to give everybody an opportunity. You've been so great. Um, and I had a second point, but I forgot it. So we'll go to we'll go to Micah. Oh, no, no, no. I know the point. Annie Jacobson. The other thing I believe, and she said in her interview with me, that she had lunch, I think it was with Ben Rich from Skunk Works, mm -hmm. and um, they were talking about, uh, about all of this in terms of how much I can't know, uh, how much we don't know, is what I know, something like she said, something like, is what I know as big as this dish over here, he's like, compared to this table, uh, and he basically said something like, it's the whole table. You know, there's so much. This is so earth shattering. I'm, I'm getting the quote wrong, but you get the idea. Yeah. Something like, my dear, it's the whole table, something like that. And, and I even though I don't know if I buy her explanation, Annie Jacobson, fantastic. And I know she has a new book coming out. I'm not sure what it's about. I can't wait to find out. Micah, steak or disclosure? What will it be for you? Uh I'll go with the steak. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to ride the fence tonight. I mean, yeah, I, 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 at this point... I think I'd like to know. The problem is doing the kind of work that I do as a journalist. I, I, I follow a lot of threads. I am, of course, obviously following the UAP issue an awful lot. This is a minor issue that I think that some of the legacy media take um, not 
just with the debrief, mostly with the publication, but a few of them have, you know, singled me out and said, you know, one of the co-founders of that, of that uh, outlet is a UAP person. I always respond and say, I'm not a UFO believer or a UAP advocate so much as I am an advocate for scientific studies of the phenomenon. That's what I really am a proponent of. I've always said science needs to be applied toward this. I'm not an evangelist, but I will always defend the necessity for having more science applied to it. And I think that that also is an issue. Again, I've had skeptics in the past say it's really cute that Micah thinks that this is something that should be looked at. And he defends the fact that, you know, all these Navy pilots and people are coming out. Well, I've also said, and this is, I think, a fundamental point that those skeptics always miss. If we ignore this problem, if scientists ignore it, and, and we don't have enough knowledge about this, and our military doesn't pay attention to it, are we leaving open a blind spot? Is that something that actually conflicts with our best national security interests? So for me, and I think that this seems to be the same attitude that we're seeing with regard to the DOD's current attitude. They're cautious. They're skeptical. We haven't found direct evidence of extraterrestrials, but we're looking at all this. The DOD seems to, and you know, kudos to them for doing so, they seem to be treating this like it could be an issue. We don't want to leave open any holes. We don't want to have any blind spots. We don't want to be you know, met with technical surprise, like Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick said in a recent statement to ABC News. I feel the same way. But I also, in looking at all these possibilities and understanding the necessity for science being applied toward this and the reasons why in terms of national security and as a reporter in that beat, a national security, defense, and science reporter, I want to recover these issues. Yeah, I elevate it sometimes. It's a little more important to me, maybe, than the latest discovery of, you know, Rocky Exoplanet 8B17922. That's fantastic. And all of these things are important. I love astronomy. But when I look at the UAP issue, I'm like, look, you know, this is not something that is 2.4 light years away from Earth. I mean, this is something that could be in our backyard and could be a challenge in all these ways. And yeah, I want that stake. I want to know exactly what we're dealing with at this point. And following all these different lines, you know, it truly certain days of the week, very little of the UAP issue in terms of where I work with it has to do with those kinds of prospects, extraterrestrial life, exotic intelligences, non-human intelligences, the kinds of things we've heard in recent testimony. There are a lot of other possibilities that are much more down to earth. Some of them are a little disconcerting. So, all of them need to be looked at. All need to be weighed carefully, skeptically. That's a good point. And, and thank you to the skeptics who have chimed in in tonight's uh, you know, broadcast we've been doing. Those are also very relevant and valid points. It needs to be a balanced perspective, though, is what it needs to be. It doesn't need to be the seesaw going in one direction or this pendulum swinging too far one way or the other. We need balance. I think science allows us to balance this argument, and we need more of that injected into the UAP debate. One quick note, I will say in Micah's defense to those who attack him as this true believer, I've always actually, Micah, and I mean this actually as a compliment, I've always considered you more skeptical than I am on the UFO question. Probably one of the most skeptical here in the room, uh, the, the digital yeah. room that we now occupy. But, yeah. you know, that's the whole thing. And I, and I get pushed back from the believers, too. You know, I've had people say, no one rides the fence better than Micah Hanks. Micah Hanks <laughs> is always pushing back on the, the extraterrestrial believers. And we know at this point that that's what this must be. But do we? No, we really don't. All yeah. that's, and, and again, that's one of the most fascinating revelations that's come out of the recent testimony of whistleblower David Grush. He, too, exercising such careful 
cons- you know res- restraint in the way that he terminologically phrases all this he he does not say man the aliens are here folks the extraterrestrials the closest i've seen him really come to that really was today pushing back a bit on dr kirkpatrick's and actually i don't disagree with kirkpatrick's statements it's funny because there was this commentary written for the uh, washington spectator by art levin in recent days that you guys probably saw this lengthy article and he pointed out how dr kirkpatrick had co-authored a paper with avi loeb looking at the idea that there may be may be this is theory theoretical science right that there could be ways that alien intelligences could reach earth and that they might send motherships and then disperse probes and that there could be one even lurking in our solar system and we wouldn't know it and then he also says but you know we found no evidence of extraterrestrials levin pointed this out and said it was an example of contradictory statements made by officials i'm thinking there's nothing contradictory there you misread it dude you're wrong He completely fails to understand the argument himself, and yet he's trying to criticize one of these officials who I think has been very clear and consistent in his messaging. So with respect to that, seeing Grush come out and say, you know, maybe he's actually not accurate. There are some things like that. That was the closest I've seen Grush coming to really using the E word in an explicit sense. But apart from that, he's been very careful about saying non-human intelligences. I prefer not to characterize these or establish any kind of presumed provenance. We just know we're not dealing with something that we think is ours. That's kind of really in terms of skepticism right now where I leave it too. Well, I want to get to Forrest and get his thoughts on disclosure or steak uh, or maybe a nice shrimp scampi. I don't know. But, uh, but first, I want to point on that. Do we hope for, I mean, most of us who are interested in this, the vast majority of us take the Stanton Friedman and God bless his soul and he was great and God, I wish he were here today. But we, most of us think about nuts and bolts and we non-human intelligence equals ET or aliens. Are people like me guilty of an oversimplification? Are you? You're asking? Oh, no, he's frozen. Yes. Oh, I thought you were frozen. <laughs> I thought you were frozen. No, I'm not, no, I'm not frozen. Now, Jim, I would say besides it being human tech, alien is the most likely explanation. So I don't fault you at all for thinking that. In fact, some of this probably is that. Um, I think we're living in a world today where we can now ask different questions of what these phenomena could represent as we inch closer to... You know, look at all these discoveries that have happened within the last few weeks, months. You know, Einstein's theory of relativity basically being proven, um, this gravitational wave thing, um, black holes, wormholes, you know, time travel. Like all of these things were inching closer to actually proving. So could that be connected to the UFO phenomenon? So, yeah, I think I think it's just as viable an explanation as any. Uh, Haunted Autumn had a prediction, and we're going to find out if it's true. Forrest would prefer to be eating a nice shrimp scampi while watching Disclosure occur. That sounds pretty good to me. What do you think, Forrest? Disclosure? Not bad. Or or is the truth too terrible? I'm a huge fan of surf and turf, so I would uh, I say both. Why not both? Uh, But but as far as that uh, happening, uh, several things. All leading to, oh, no, you're back. back okay. now. You're back. You're back. Uh, I was going to say, there, all right. Okay. There are major things happening. It at all uh, beyond philosophy. It's the philosophy of science, but it boils down to philosophy because it is, this is all about belief. And the most disturbing aspect of this, when you're talking about uh, whether you want to be fed steak or disclosure is that you don't get to choose. 
we're not in control of this. That is the most disturbing option to consider is that it's it's like, well, is the government going to tell us whatever? It's like, hey, the government is being fed this. And they made there, there's ideas that they're in cahoots with uh, this other intelligence. Uh, my other thing to keep in mind is that now we're as human thinking goes, as we see in the movies, there's only one type of alien. We all have shows here. How many stories have we all heard about the weirdest, wildest things visiting people and uh, and messing with them in all mm -hmm. manner? It's the it's unlimited. Yeah. Kangaroos with human faces, uh, old squeaky <laughs> lanterns landing in the road. Uh, you know that that was squeaky car door that uh, uh, you know Woody Derenberger probably had a sewing machine oil. He could have fixed that for them. It's and I'm being facetious, but it's like it's every manner of outrageous thing that people have all reported. And uh, we're talking, to, I didn't say it, but it was William James talking, if you wish to accept the rule, upset the rule that they're uh, all crows are black, you only need to provide one white crow. All right. these, I heard this on Jim's show many times before, all these stories don't need to be true, just one. And right. it makes everything, that's what this, uh, you know, the panel was uh, today, uh, the hearing made possible is that if this is true, then what else is possible? Could be it. Who knows? Who knows where, where it stops? But my point is that uh, whether you believe this or not, if this is real, and it to me, there does seem to be something that is um, extra, let's say, non-human out there. And if you don't want to say alien, you could say uh, exobiospheric organism. Uh, it's just that it, it's outside of our realm. Uh, I don't think then it doesn't make sense to me that there's just one type uh, what about the mantis men? What about the poor, uh, uh, the, the reptilian folks? Are they in cahoots? Or are they the same thing? Are they warring species? There's a lot of questions. Uh, I don't think it's just one thing, but our, it's easiest for us to imagine it's just one thing, and we have some agency, as they say, over it. But I, I don't think we do, and that prospect is frightening. So, uh, But I would also go on to say, uh, you have, um, outside of that, it, it kind of doesn't matter. Uh, because we, Scott and I talked about this last night, it, you have, uh, you still have your, until there's an upheaval and, uh, you know, like Codus and, and Kang were under the uh, control of the overlords getting whipped uh, to, to build stuff. It, it doesn't really matter until your life, your personal life's disrupted. And I think that's what we're seeing. It's not apathy. It's that we all have, we're all busy with our own lives just trying to get by. Uh, but at some point, um, like I said, we'll be discussing this 20 years later in the same way. Well, I think just the buildup uh, the technology that we have personally, cell phone, you know, 4K cell phones in our pockets, uh, the amount of uh, the, the avalanche of evidence, uh, visually at least, that comes through and everything else, you know, that's that's when the wave crests and then it's undeniable. And at that point, uh, if this is all true, it doesn't it doesn't care if you believe in it or not. And we talk about that uh, with, with the paranormal. It's like it, it doesn't it shows up to believers and atheists alike. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's its own like thing. Bigfoot doesn't believe in you either. It doesn't exactly. <laughs> it's just it's doing its thing. It'll take your Snicker bar, uh, Snickers bar, but it it doesn't really have much to do. Now you you're talking earlier about Jimmy Carter. That's a very disturbing thing. That uh, if that story is true, you do believe it. Now here's my skeptical part of it. If that did happen and he was told that, well, he was pressing uh, publicly back then, especially uh, you know in the '70s where it was a sensitive uh, issue. And uh, it, it's gotten, I talked a, a little bit about this, but like if he's, if he's making waves and he said, well, I'm going to reveal this to the public, it's my duty. You mm -hmm. take him aside and you, and you give him, you know, as a religious a sensitive whopper. man, you give him a whopper. Uh, he's, he's really shook 
uh, visibly for the next two weeks, as the story goes, and he doesn't talk about it at all because his faith is is shaken. Uh, right. It's an easy thing. You don't have to prove anything. You don't come up with a DNA test. You just issue a press release, as a as it said yeah. in the movie uh, Spartan, is that you don't have to prove. You just, hey, I'm the head of the CIA. I just told uh, President Carter this, and uh, and he believed me. Yeah, the world religions were made asking. up by the aliens, yeah. But here's then here's going off of that just again with the philosophy because that's earth shattering and if that's true, then uh, you know it comes out and even if the aliens presented themselves and said, "Hey, we we created you all in a lab," uh, sorry, but this was just a big experiment. Uh, you know, like uh, Charles Ford said, we're all subjects of someone else's experiment. We we could do it, so we just did it to do it. This is how you would react, and then we gave you religion to keep you in line. Well, one, that didn't work really very well, has it, throughout the ages. <laughs> uh, people don't really fight over religion, do they? Uh, the second thing is that uh, if that is what you're telling us, then you lied to us. Then I'm not going to believe anything else you tell me, or I'm going to look at it very suspiciously from here on, Right. about you telling us uh, you may be superior, uh, but again, you lied to us. So, because you don't care, you don't think the same way, you don't hold the same values as we do. And uh, and I still think we're special. I think that's why uh, you know part of it. That's why they're they're jealous. Uh, if we are some kind of experiment, it's uh, uh, or as uh, uh, George Carlin used to say, if, if we are the only thing in the universe, or maybe we were created, that the uh, the universe aimed very low and had very little expectations. <laughs> is, is that okay? This is it, and this is all we got. So we're going with this. I am until something else comes through, and. Uh, you know, it, it takes over my day and I don't have to go do a podcast anymore. So I, I, like I said, but I think it all comes down to philosophy and, and belief. And it's just, uh, and that's the biggest, most disturbing thing to think about, uh, no matter what's going on in your country at the moment. And I do want to get to, folks. I do want to get to a speed round on some of these questions. I'm just going to bring them up here and then have everybody go at it for a free for all. Atura wants to know, what do you think about one of the answers today stating that we are not capable of defending against quote them being hostile? Are we really defenseless? Do you think they are hostile? So guys, what do you think? I think uh, just quickly, I'll say, I think if you believe the reports so far, that's we're making an assumption there to start with. I would say yes, that we are currently defenseless. And no, I don't think they're hostile, at least not yet, or we would have already lost. Good point. Very good point. Anybody else? That's me. Brian? Oh, I'll, 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 Brian. Oh, go ahead, Micah. Go ahead, Micah. No, I'll, well, I'll just jump in and say, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of concern about, okay, if this is a technological presence in our midst, what are we going to do? How do we respond to this? But again, you know, in the early days, of ufology again i now use kind of ufology as the reference to classical pre-21st century study of ufos and it's amazing to still hear this but a lot of people are surprised to learn that before 2017 there were people who really made it their business to know a lot about this subject it's nothing new it's been around for more maybe than you know than the last century frankly it could go back you know thousands of years but the point being that when it comes to uh, whether this is a threat to us, if you look at the early modern history, okay, late 1940s, early 1950s, immediately when we see that there's a presence in our skies that we can't account for, the inclination is to wonder whether, well, is this the Soviets? And if not the Soviets, is it something from further off? And if they're coming here from that far, what are their intentions? Are they here to take over? Is there an invasion imminent? Even Jacques Vallée, if you go back and read his uh, Forbidden Science journals, he talks about that. And he says, 
is there an invasion imminent? He and some colleagues had just kind of batted this idea around. We haven't seen that yet after all these decades. And it's not ever an idea that should be off the table. But I would hope maybe that a technological presence that's capable of traversing the stars, if indeed that's what UAP represents, that they would also have the wherewithal to think, and, you know, we go there to learn, we go there to study, we go there maybe even to harvest some of their minerals or whatever else, but we're not going to mess with them. And to that other point that I saw in the chat there earlier, just to hit two birds with one stone, people saying, well, you know, are they trying to make their presence known or not? All indications seem to be that UAP with their low observability, with their radar jamming, you know, with all these different kinds of issues, those so-called five observables, they don't seem to be wanting to be detected. And maybe in a sense, that's a good thing. But I think that the better we are becoming capable of detecting them, the closer we're coming to the reality that a contact initiative of some sort may be requisite. Anybody else with strong thoughts on the fact that we're in danger potentially? Uh, I, I just, I think, oh, go ahead. sorry, yeah, go ahead. Forrest. Go ahead, oh, I think the potential danger comes from our reaction to these phenomena. I mean, I, my favorite case, the Tehran incident, 1976, Parvish Jafari, a guy who tried to shoot a UFO and his weapons jammed. Yeah. The number one thing he said that he wanted to do that he didn't do was communicate with whatever that thing was and say, why are you here? What do you want? Um, so I think it's important to remember that our reaction as humans, especially our fighter pilots with these weapons, um, our reaction to the phenomena could be where the true hostility lay. And we are the potential threat to ourselves in how we react to the phenomena. Um, did I get that? Right? Yeah, I got that right. I think. Um, so, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be hostile, but not by nature. Um, and that, again, these near misses that we're seeing as well are a potential threat, too. But, um, yeah, I think we are more of a potential threat than the actual phenomena. Like Micah said, it hasn't shown itself to be inherently hostile. And um, I don't see that changing. Forrester Paul? Uh, I'll, I'll just quickly say something that was interesting uh, Grush said in his interview uh, was that we we're able to figure out with our technology, well, it may be reverse engineered, how to down some of these. Did any of you catch that? And that it has something to do with uh, vibrational frequencies, I believe. But what he said was that, yeah, we, we have figured out how to take some of these down. Uh, now, I don't know if that's Randy Quaid flying an F-15 Eagle, uh, whatever <laughs> the technology is, that, but you, that gives us some hope. As we always say, the paranormal that I do, uh, I always, as a, even as a kid, I wasn't one to hide under the bed or under the covers. I wanted to know how to defeat the monster. And that gives you a little bit of hope that uh, that there is uh, some way. And I don't think, again, the, I think the other people uh, are trying to view this as uh, with human three-dimensional logic. Uh, taking it back from earlier in that you're trying to figure out like, well, there we should be able to understand their intentions and uh, but they, but they're perfect, right? Why are they crashing? That's another thing we keep yeah. hearing. It's like, well, why are we getting crashed craft? It's like, well, they're because they're not perfect. <laughs> well, I got to say this. I, I mean, this is a serious subject, and I hate to make a joke, but it reminds me of Mars Attacks when they started playing Sim, Slim Whitman songs. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's always there's it's something you didn't think about tonight, right? But here's this. Oh, another. Oh, sorry. No, uh, just going to finish up another. Uh, just owing to another movie, something we always quote from our good friend Richard uh, Haddam, 
who wrote the Mouthman prophecies. And it's a line I think that uh, has, has lasted through. And I think another disturbing pro uh, principle of this is that uh, if you are wondering if they're hostile or not or indifferent, uh, obviously it seems like they're doing something. And uh, as, as we had here with the question about uh, abductions and, and uh, listening to those accounts, is that we may not be capable of understanding their intentions or their reasons. And that's mm -hmm. also very disturbing to us. What do, you, what do you mean we won't be able to understand why they're doing what they're doing? Right. Uh, we're children. Far advanced. Yeah, it's like um, Birchett in that uh, press conference said, you know, if, if cave people, uh, or, or I don't know if it was cave people, even maybe people in the 1700s, some past civilization found an eye, found a car, they might be able to get it started, but they wouldn't understand, you know, they'd have a hard time understanding it because it's so far ahead of their technology. And we're kind of like those people. I do want to get to the other questions. We got four or five more questions. I want to do a speed run. I want to give Paul a quick opportunity to answer that, though, in terms of them possibly being a threat. I think there's always a chance. I mean, we've heard information today about people being hurt by the technology. Um, and I think it was alluded to that it wasn't just to do with the retro engineering. I think there was an, an indicator there that people have been hurt by UAPs. Uh, I'd be interested to hear more about that. Um, mm -hmm. But it may also be that the threat is proportionate to how much we understand the threat. Um, a bit like living with a narcissist, if you like. <laughs> now, I do want to wrap this up by the top of the hour because I know uh, everybody has to be exhausted, particularly our friends. My answer the was pond. the shortest. I'm doing good with the short answer. Okay? <laughs> so I'm just saying, I'm going to run through these questions, but we need brief answers. We need brief answers. Okay, Sandy's been really waiting for this. Have any of you not thought about the thousands of people who have come forward as abductees slash experiencers? Ryan's an experiencer. Uh, why don't you listen to us? I have memories of my earliest abductions in 1953. How would you all answer, Sandy? I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Else is going to. Oh, Sorry, someone... <laughs> okay, I'll be quick, Ryan. Uh, some of my dearest friends, actually, are people who claim to have had experiences like that. And uh, from coming to know them, I've, uh, you know, at times been skeptical. At other times, it's deepened my knowledge of the phenomena related to UAP. Uh, and even before this broadcast tonight, my mother and I were on the telephone talking about everything that was happening today. And we had a long talk about Travis Walton. She was the first person that told me that story about Walton's experience back in the 70s out there in Snowflake, Arizona. And when I've met uh, Travis Walton for the first time, I told him, I said, your mom used to tell me your story when we'd sit around the campfire, scared the crap out of me. But coming to know Travis... I know it's not what's depicted in the film. It's not what's depicted in a lot of prop popular media. And that, you know, has been a learning experience. So we do listen. We certainly do. Ryan? Yeah, I'm always here to listen. That's my thing. I'm always here for experiencers to tell their stories, uh, to preserve it in some way, shape, or form. I know I'm not a Congress member. I know, you know, I, I but I'm here. I'm here to listen for sure. I think we'll get there. Disclosure is a very gradual process. It's slow. It's messy. Um, and there may be one day where we do get there, when we will have experiencers and abductees on a congressional floor testifying. And then, say we do find out aliens have been abducting people. Think of the implication behind that. Like, how do we hold them accountable for that? 
when we finally do make contact that a lot of people think we're going to make. Um, so it's hard. It, it's very, very hard. I don't think humanity as a whole is ready for that yet. Um, but maybe one day. So I don't think it's that people aren't listening um, by any stretch of the imagination. I just don't think people are quite ready. But um, there are many of us out there who are ready to hear your stories. So and I, I appreciate her saying that. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this. I think everybody on this panel, I don't see us as kind of like obstructors to that. I think we're facilitators of that. JimHerald.com slash campfire if you want to sign up to tell your story to our listeners. I mean, that is something we've done. I've done since 2009 with the campfire, all types of anomalous activities. So we're very open to that. And I think the people are here, but that is a fair question because I think sometimes the... Uh, the experiences are uh, dissed, particularly abductees. I think that people will say, oh, you've seen, you've seen a UFO. I can accept that. But then when you say there was an abduction or something, people raise an eyebrow. So I think we need to be more welcoming to that community. Kate wants to know, does it bother any of you that Grush's claims under oath were just that he had heard these things? How reassured are you that proper evidence is actually being shown behind the scenes? And I would add to that, or will be shown. But go ahead. Well, just quickly again, I'll say if it would have to be a psyop to all those people that he was working with who were at uh, very high levels of clearance would have had been had to have been given information that they then shared with him that they either knew was fake or that they're also being tricked and then they're tricking him. I just don't. So I think uh, it doesn't concern me because I don't think that's what's going on behind the scenes. And then also, I think the reason that he's reiterating it so much is because he's trying to be very, very truthful about what he's experienced. Any other thoughts? Um, I, th I think I addressed earlier on with what counts for evidence. I think um, proper evidence is the phrase that was used there. Um, and uh, proper evidence was given today, whether it's acceptable to Kate, I think it was, is a different story. Um, it was evidence before the Congress, and that's good enough. Uh, go ahead. Forrest, you had a thought? Uh, yeah, just a, just a quick something we uh, said earlier is that uh, people are focusing on on the fact that uh, Grush is only repeating things that he heard or was she was shown in photos, and I think that's fair. However, we're forgetting that there's two other witnesses testifying mm -hmm. on that panel who didn't just hear it; they saw it. They engaged time, with yeah. it in a military uh, fashion, and you're talking about uh, people not just outside with a pair of binoculars uh, with some the highest technology we had at the time or have at the time, and it was recorded on sensors, not just by them and the aircraft that they were in, but also the support ships uh, that were conducting the, the training and exploration mission. So uh, it wasn't just them and what they're seeing. You're talking about now an admission that the uh, that faction of the uh, the military, and, and it's not just the Navy either. You're, then you're figuring out it, it's, the, uh, it, it's the Air Force, it's the Army, it's Air forces and military around the world are reporting the same thing. Somebody said earlier that, uh, yeah, we are more hung up. If you look at the South American military, they're much more mm -hmm. open to this kind of stuff and mm -hmm. and uh, being forthright about it. So it's just a difference of an attitude. I think uh, quickly just about the abduction angle of it. I think that, again, that has to do with a very, very personal and intimate aspect of all this. And that's, that is belief. Uh, and it takes somebody that to, to talk to somebody that you know and trust and certainly we didn't know him and trust him before. We didn't know about him. We we got to meet Terry Lovelace. And 
we've probably now spent, I don't know, maybe a total of 12 hours talking with him and uh, just over a couple of interviews uh, spanned out based on time. And it's like he's like any of your other friends or relatives that you would trust. Uh, there's once you hear that, then it, the impact of his words strikes so much deeper in that if that is, and I would say not true, but if that is accurate of how he remembered it, then the implications are mind blowing and they're disturbing. And I, you don't know what to make of it, but I do believe that he had that kind of experience. And that is, uh, that's the second level of belief as I think is that the first is that it's okay. I'll accept that there's things flying around and it's a high technology. We don't, uh, there's breaking all the rules of physics as we know it. Then the second aspect of that is that there's some there's some beings that are making these things and flying them around, and that's the that's the uh, you know, that's the speed bump I I can't go over for a lot of people because I don't want to yep. think about that. I can think about machines. I don't want to think about who's flying them and what their purpose and intents are. Isn't that odd? Are, and, yeah, I think that's so odd, Forrest, and I think about that a lot. So just. Pointing that little bit out, though, I mean, that's, again, things that we see throughout history of ufology. ICAP originally saying, well, if we want to be credible, just focus on the objects. Don't talk about humanoids, let alone, God, you dare ever approach a dog. They even did it today. They said, we're not going to bring out little green men. Yeah. Even today. And again, you can see that as we are getting over some of the stigmas, I, I understand that to an extent, there's a legitimate concern to be had about how we phrase the topic. But if we want to really do ourselves favors... Let's do it like this. Let's not talk about little greeting men ad nauseum. Let's say, when are we going to talk about the operators behind the technology we are observing? Because if, and again, we're not to that point yet, maybe, but if we conclude that this is indeed not ours, we're mm -hmm. going to have to reckon with what it may be and whose it might be, you know, where it might come from. These are all going to be questions. It's all on how you phrase those questions to me. Hey. Exactly. And it's something very curious. This has been brought up before. and People still don't know what he meant. Uh, General Mark Milley, uh, of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at his uh, speech at uh, West Point, I think this past graduation year, uh, was, you know, talking about the future military leaders of, uh, of the U.S. and saying you're going to have you're going to have all different kinds of adversaries to fight. Uh, you know, asymmetrical warfare, computer warfare, little green men. You're like, wait, wait, did he just say little green men? <laughs> yes, he did. Is I, He doesn't seem like a real jokester either. <laughs> it's such an odd thing to say. Yeah. It's that it's like he's because he's not joking about the the threats you're going to have to face in the future. But the fact that he he actually said little green men. And is that he just speaking by her hyperbole? Is he trying to get a laugh out of a bunch of uh, West Point grads? Uh, I, it, it was just a very odd thing to say. Or was he, because again, I don't think he just did that off the cuff. I'm sure he wrote that speech out, practiced it a few times, and uh, and then delivered it. Or maybe he was, but it was a, a weird slip up if it was. So, uh, but but again, that the fact that uh, we don't want to have to think about that. That's the, you know, that's the part, you know, give me the steak. I don't want to know, just make me, uh, you know, just give me my celebrities and my juicy steak. And I don't want to forget about that because it, it is disturbing. But I don't think, um, like I said, I don't think there's one type of alien out there with one mm -hmm, agenda. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, since we have you, Forrest, um, well, well, no, we'll go back to we'll go back to whomever wants to answer this. Then we're gonna have closing statements. Um, Chasm asked, "What happened today was a big step in the right direction." This is our last question from the audience in the U.S. But when do you think there will be a global committee to discuss this, if ever? Have there been similar talks elsewhere already? Paul, 
I'll ask you from the UK perspective, what do you think about that? I think if the US government bring in legislation and it becomes something that is mainstream to talk about, I think the UN would be duty bound to at least have some sort of committee that talks about it. I know that I think the UN has spoken about UAPs at some point in the past. There was a um, a small nation that um, sponsored the subject at the UN. I can't remember too much about it, but I remember Granada. it was on yeah, Granada. Thank you, and it was on stamps and things like that. So uh, yeah, absolutely, they're going to have to talk about it because if it's an issue for America, it's going to be an issue for the whole world. To Paul's point, Granada, of course, did sponsor that. And again, you know, a friend of ours, Lee Spiegel, kind of pushed that initiative back in the 1970s. There was a United Nations hearing where Jacques Vallée, former yeah. science advisor to the uh, Project Blue Book, uh, Ed, uh, sorry, not Edward Ruppelt, that was a different generation, uh, uh, J. Allen Hynek, and a few others uh, were participants in that. I think uh, Stanton Friedman may have also been present as well, and maybe even Dr. Bruce Maccabee. So a lot of those, you know, icons of yesteryear who are some of them still involved in the UAP debate today. Uh, but as far as uh, current efforts internationally, what we would hope to see, and there have been some noises about there being, I think San Marino now being, uh, you know, kind of a focal point of a new, a renewed effort with the United Nations. But we've also seen more recently that in response to some of the U.S.'s, you uh, uh, Maybe it's not wrong to characterize it as leadership, just in the sense that our Department of Defense is taking a very active role in, in investigating this, but also there's this renewed effort toward transparency that we're seeing on the half of the lawmakers. And so that has sort of given rise to these briefings that the Five Eyes nations have received as well. Uh, many of our uh, nations around the world, UK, New Zealand, what have you. Uh, so there's already beginning to see, uh, be a bit of this kind of coordination between nations. I think, though... It's going to take more transparency from those who are leading in that effort to understand, evaluate, and become more transparent on the phenomenon before we can really begin to see momentum in that sphere. Well, I, I think it's come time for today, closing statements. I think now is the time for closing statements. We're at the top of the hour, so we came close. And I guess we'll start with you, Forrest. What's your closing statement on the events of today? I uh, as I kind of stated at the beginning, I think, uh, you know, don't overlook what was really important about this. And it's not the evidence that was or was not presented. It's not, uh, you know, what could possibly or not possibly be revealed to our uh, congresspersons or what is eventually really revealed to the public. It's the first step. And the first step is that they exist. And you may not believe that anymore, uh, and you may not believe any your, your best friend who tells you they saw something or were even uh, interacting uh, with a uh, with a very close encounter, an unwanted one. And I think, uh, you know, the first step in that is that is that saying that uh, there is something beyond just us, and it's that's over. Uh, that time is done. We're beyond denying that there is something more than just the human race out there and uh, the little accomplishments great as they are to us uh, we are dwarfed by giants that whose shoulders we intend to stand on or would like to and that's the first step and i think that's what you saw here today is a part of that first step and it's the first initial questions and we want to be at the end already but we're taking the first few steps of a very long and difficult arduous journey and uh, buckle up. It's going to get really weird. 
Micah, your thoughts? Hey, listen, it's an interesting time to be alive, and we saw a lot of interesting things unfolding today. I really want to just say this. Uh, you can follow me online, of course, at the debrief and com. but I, I say that not to promote so much as to invite because I'm seeing it as being so incumbent upon us as you know, reporters, as, as researchers, as historical researchers into this phenomenon to document the experiences of people who have you know, experienced these phenomena firsthand. And so in the days ahead, I hope to try and ramp up that initiative to try and you know, get more data on this topic from people who are out there listening to programs like this. And I invite those listening uh, to just drop me an email, info at micahanks.com. Uh, message me. You can find me on social media too. But I really want to hear from people who have had experiences because what we saw on Capitol Hill today was incredible. And the military accounts are very important because they seem to sort of bring legitimacy to this that many people had just been not so much unaware of as opposed to they had avoided. They didn't want to try and address this topic, and now it's becoming unavoidable. But the many, many, many countless people out there who have not worked in military service or in any kind of government positions but who have had firsthand experiences, I want to hear from those people equally, people from all walks of life. So please consider reaching out, info at micahanks.com. I want to hear those stories. If you've had an encounter, don't be uh, afraid to reach out. It's time that we get these stories out, like Ryan Sprague and many others, you know, Jim with the campfire. You guys have been doing yeoman's work with that for years. I want to try and help in my way, too, with regard to documenting the UAP phenomenon. So please consider reaching out. That's going to help continue keeping this ball rolling. Excellent. Ryan? Reach out to Micah because I need a little break. I'm not going to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah. I kid, I kid, I kid. Um, I kid, I kid. <laughs> no, please do reach out to him. Um, I think people need to keep in mind, <clears throat> excuse me, the legislation. Now, all of this wording in this legislation coming up, there's a meaning, there's a purpose behind it. This wasn't mm -hmm. just something they dreamt up. Um, there's intent behind what Schumer is bringing forward. Um, the wording in this, the what sounds like very sensational things, almost sci-fi in nature, in what he wants out of this legislation. Um, there's a reason. And I think what's most important is we have a voice in that. In the United States, reach out to your Congress people. Tell them to continue hammering this conversation. Because with each and every person doing that, it's going to put more pressure and it's going to get that legislation passed. Um, Canada also is going to be doing their own UFO project within the next few months too, a scientific endeavor, mind you, which is very important. While the United States is looking at this from a national security standpoint, Canada is looking at it from a scientific standpoint. So if you're in Canada, reach out to members of parliament there. If you're in the UK, same thing. You've got the group UAP Media UK doing good work over here, really pushing for, for that as well. So wherever you live, reach out to your representatives and um, be proactive. If you want the truth, you're going to have to work pretty damn hard to get it. You can't just sit back. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think today was a huge win. Um, like Forrest said, it is we're in the infancy of any sort of true disclosure um but it was a major major step and in, in in my opinion a win today for sure paul 
I think as a closing statement, Jim, um, firstly, thank you for putting this together tonight. I think it was necessary. Um, as a closing statement, I'm going to set some homework for the viewers, just as a little bit of a fun exercise for yourselves. Ask yourselves two questions. One, how much disclosure do you want? Two, how much disclosure can you cope with? And then if you decide that you can cope with everything, Take a time, take a few minutes to read a very short story by Arthur C. Clarke called The Nine Billion Names of God. Yeah. Okay. And when you've read it, ask yourself those questions again and see how you get on. Excellent sci-fi reference. Very good. Very good. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Scott. And uh, Scott was really key. He was the pivot man here. And he said, yeah. yeah, I'll do it. If you wouldn't have said, yeah, I'll do it, we probably wouldn't have this. Oh, uh, well, I, t I told you, Jim, We Forrest and I were actively tech texting, being like, we got to go live today, somehow, somewhere. And when you it, texted and said, I'm yeah. going live, I was like, great, let him run it. So <laughs> it yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's the fact that you stepped true. in, it's it yeah. just that you were both the tipping point here, which is, I think, what uh, we, you know, the theme of today is. Uh, and if Scott's available, I have no reason not to be. So <laughs> a two for one for both of us. But thank you so much, Jim, for hosting it, because that oh, was, you. Uh, you were really the podfather in so many ways to all of us in this in the genre. In this you inspired field. us so, to start, Jim. Oh, yeah, you. you're the capstan here, yeah. whether you like thank it or you. not. So. Same. Thank you. Same. Um, thank you. But, uh, but I, I, my thoughts, yes. Yeah, just I'll just quickly say uh, I was truly slack jawed the whole time the thing was on today. I, I mean, I was I was expecting to be pretty much disappointed and think it was boring and the questions were dumb. Uh, and I was I was gobsmacked uh, through the entire thing. And I was just glad. In fact, I was so thinking it was not going to be deliver what it did that I hadn't even really made a hard plan to sit down and watch it right when it came on. But I just happened to everything worked out and I was sitting there watching it. And um, I'm so glad that I saw it live. I'll, I'll never forget it. I thought it was really amazing. I was also shocked, at not only, at, like you said, Ryan, uh, representatives that mean something to you, but also ones that I don't frequently hear say anything because I'm, I'm looking, at, you know, I'm in my own echo chamber of whatever side of politics I lean on. So it was nice to hear the bipartisan engagement there. I think that's a good sign for it moving forward. I'm hoping that some of the things, if some of those stories that were revealed today were previously classified, I hope that means that we're going to get some new data um, on uh, these sightings and encounters that were mentioned if they weren't already out there. I'm not super sure which ones might have already been out there and which ones hadn't been, but um, whether it was Vandenberg or, or also what uh, Gates said about the photo, I think, of the craft that the pilot saw. I want to see that uh, picture. And then... Um, the other thing I'll say to everybody is, you know, it's kind of it's a, you know, the men in black movies, it's funny, it's cheesy or whatever. But I still, I th you know, you always got to check your sources. Forrest and I love to dig around with and we like to look for really obscure stories because they can be fun for us to talk about, too. We're an entertainment show. We're not science. We're not true journalists like uh, many of the other folks here. So what I always think about that scene where it's like got to check the hot sheets and they go and they pick up the inquirer or the star or whatever <laughs> and it's like what i want to think after you watch something like today it's like you might thumb through that with a little bit of a different attitude about some <laughs> of the those stories so yeah. that's that's what i think should happen and i i also think this was a lot of fun and uh if if another hearing happens or some other significant thing comes up i hope that we could all do this again jim and, and on on your hosting so 
I well, I would love to do it again, and I hope we have occasion to do quite a few more of these and a lot more mm-hmm. revelations. Just want to do one quick thank you to Haunted Autumn for yeah. uh, another super yeah. chat. Thank you, Forrest, for perspective on importance of what happened today. And thank you to the panel for such an in-depth, inspiring discussion. And I will continue on that thought. I want to thank these gentlemen for joining us tonight of their time. I know they're all tired, particularly our overseas contingent. Uh, Be sure to check out Astonishing Legends, Scott and Forrest. uh, They're the best in the business. They do a fantastic job. Uh, Paul's Anomaly podcast. Please make sure to check that out. And I know he's a big part of the Astonishing Legends team. Of course, Ryan Sprague, Somewhere in the Skies podcast. I just see him like rising and rising and rising. Just so impressed everything he does going from strength to strength and of course micah hanks the editor-in-chief of the debrief and i remember when we did the paranormal report and i'm just uh, so proud of what micah has done with the debrief and being at the forefront of these breaking stories so all kudos to him and make sure to follow everything that he does and uh you know everybody out there i i just want to say this and, and gentlemen i hope you'll stick around for a few minutes for a quote debrief no pun intended after we end this podcast but i just want to say to everybody out there you live through history today today was history whether you're a debunker a believer somewhere in the middle we experienced history today And uh, it's something I know I'll remember for a long time, and I hope that you will too. And I hope this is just the beginning, and we've got many more discussions to come. And being able to spend some time with these gentlemen and with you is just so important to me. And uh, just to have this human discussion together. Thank you for being a part of it. We'll talk to you next time on one of these panels, whenever that is. Good night and stay safe. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, then please do help support us by making a small donation. You can find a donate button on the website at anomaly.co.uk and you will find all of our episodes there too. We also have a presence on YouTube and our X handle is at AnomalyCast. We're available on all major podcast services Just search for Anomaly Paranormal Podcast. Thank you to Xperia for our theme music. You can find more from Xperia on Epidemic Sounds. If you would like to recommend a guest or to be one, get in touch with Paul at anomaly.co.uk. Until next time, we'll be seeing you.